0: Hello, and welcome to Stealth Boom. Boom. fortnightly podcast about some great stealth slash stealthy video games and also some rubbish ones on every episode we go in-depth and all spoilery on one specific game and we discuss whether said game stealth and it's boom boom are up to snuff my name is colin mahern and joining me on this episode is a man who once described mobile games as quote rubbish it's adam carroll Good evening. And alongside him is someone that once described mobile games as, quote, complete rubbish. It's Josh Wise. Hello. Is this true? D- no, it's a complete oh. live, total fabrication. I apologise to our <laughs> listeners.
1: I feel like I would say that. But anyway. I sort of stand by it, even though I didn't really say it. I stand by it. I, that, well, that's why
0: I felt comfortable putting words in your mouth, because I was like, I don't have a recording of these lads saying these words, but I feel like at some stage in their lives they might have said these words
2: yeah i probably would have said that
0: (laughs) so i think it's fair and you know very pertinent to our discussion today in fact but before we get on to the game we're talking about today we need to get into the right headspace we need to delve into what was happening in the world on a specific date about 10 years ago so lads Get ready, because tonight we're going to party like it's July July 10th, (laughs) 2013. Yes, about 10 years ago, July 10th, 2013. And last episode, right, two weeks ago, we spoke about Dark, which launched on July 3rd. So... Sadly for me, I've really eaten into a lot of my little (laughs) news nuggets here.
2: (laughs) Blurred lines was number one.
0: A week has passed, and not much has has changed. The one thing I do have is that on this date, on the tenth of July, Canadian pop superstar Justin Bieber went into the back room of a restaurant, pissed in a janitor's mop bucket, and screamed. Quote, and this is a real quote, not like your mobile games quote. He screamed. Quote. Fuck Bill Clinton. (laughs) Sure. Yeah.
1: Right. Okay. But
0: yes, Adam, you made reference to it. In music, in America, Jesus Christ, still topping the charts. When will I be able to not mention this abomination (laughs) of a song? Is Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke. In the UK, though, I do have something that's at least different. And that song is Love Me Again by John Newman. Oh my
1: God, yeah. That was in NBA 2K. Who can sing us? Who can sing us? Give us a bit of us. He, he goes, I want to know, no, no, no. Can you love me again? Is that one? Oh, that is. I didn't know the song until I looked it up.
0: And when recording this podcast, I had forgotten it again until you <laughs> sang it, Josh. So thank you very much for that. Very handy. In movies, then. Again, we have another repeat. It's Despicable Me 2. That was the number one film in America, and in the UK, oh, bit of a change here. No, it was Despicable Me as well. Mm. So Mm. you know, sorry about that. An argument made to space out the dates of the games. This intro, but now we need to turn our attention to the game we're discussing today in a segment we like to call Back of the Box. And yes, the game we're talking about today is indeed a mobile game. Or at least it was at one stage. And that game is Deus Ex The Fall. Woo! And what is Deus Ex The Fall? Well, it is a sort of immersive sim, sort of Deus Ex, sort of weird is the best way I can describe it. And I suppose I will say, while we're chronologically... At the beginning, or basically the beginning of the Deus Ex timeline. It feels odd to full-on explain the series now rather than in our Deus Ex episode, you know? Mm -hmm. So what I will say, getting all serious in that, if you're unfamiliar with Deus Ex, Deus Ex is a story... It's a cyberpunk, near future, although funnily enough, no, it's very near future, I suppose. It's mega corporations, dystopian conspiracies, the, the Illuminati show up, <laughs> and a, a big one that you may be aware of, even if you're not familiar with the games. In Deus Ex, some people are all flesh and bone, while others have augmentations. And augmentations are basically just body parts that are created to replace human body parts, so mechanical body parts. And yeah, that's kind of Deus Ex. And as I said, the platforms and release dates of this one, it did initially come to iOS on the 10th of July, 2013. It was actually released a day earlier than planned. It was meant to be out on the 11th. It then came to Android on the 22nd of January, 2014. So, what's that? Six months later-ish. And then... Two months after that, on the 18th of March, 2014, the day after Paddy's Day, we were all booting up Steam to download Deus Ex The Fall, (laughs) the PC version. Now, this is normally the part of the show, then, where I tell you about the back of the physical box. And whilst I sadly don't have the box in front of me, I do have an image of the back of the UK PC box. And it was the, the you would just buy it and you'd get a steam code inside in it. And there are a couple of things I want to highlight here. The blurb I don't really want to highlight because it's a lot of stuff I'll cover in the story recap anyway, and it's not the most interesting part. I mean, it does interestingly at the top of the box say the conspiracy has evolved, which I enjoy. <laughs> but there, there are a couple of things in this. So at the bottom. It says the award-winning mobile game comes to PC. It says original story set in the Deus Ex universe. Numerous side quests. It's five. Uh, <laughs> Fully explorable environments. Mm, yeah, yeah. Social and hacking skills. Social, Yeah, little. Unique visual design. I mean, it's Deus Ex Human Revolution. And choose to play the game without taking a single life.
1: I think that is possible. Because I, th- I think, well, I think I did it, I think. Because I just, I just thumped people. And
0: then you have three screenshots. One underneath it, it says, play the way you want, high impact action or stealth. Very exciting. On the right, it says, evolving choices and consequences. And then in the middle, biggest under the biggest screenshot, really highlighting this game, it says, the search for truth spans mafia hideouts in Moscow to the slums of Panama.
1: I believe that the tutorial mission for this game is set in Moscow. I think that's why they technically can say that on the blurb. That guy, Mikhail Kontarsky, that you have to kill early on, like, he is a Russian mafia dude, and that tutorial, though it's in a building, I think that tutorial is technically in Moscow. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, fair, fair point, fair point. So, yeah, that's the back of the physical box, and now it is typically where I give you the recap of the story. So, the story of Deus Ex The Fall picks up at the end of the novel, Deus Ex Icarus Effect, and that book serves as an introduction to... 2011's Deus Ex Human Revolution, effectively. Uh, it was published on the 22nd of February, 2011. Now, I haven't read it. I'll do a lot of things for this podcast, but come on, you know, <laughs> e- easy. <laughs> but after taking a look at the Deus Ex fan wiki, it does appear that The Fall covers most of the important bits through flashbacks. Mm.
1: Because they know you can't be expecting people who play video games to read books? Come on. There's no, cro- no crossover there. No. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. In fact, I, I get angry when they ask me to read in games. It annoys me.
0: But. So here is your story Fuck, of Deus Ex The Fall. Ben Saxon is a former military man who used to work for a private military group called Bell Tower. In fact, Saxon led a supergroup of hard bastards within Belltower called Strike Six. And during a mission called Operation Rainbird, Saxon's team was shot out of the sky and all of them were killed, including somebody called Sam Duarte, which is a name only briefly mentioned in the game, but is actually pretty important for emotional heft later on. Mm. <laughs> head. Anyway, poor Ben Saxon, all his pals are dead While recovering in hospital though, Ben Saxon meets a guy by the name of Jaron. I can't, is it Jaron or Haron? I think they say Jaron. Who asks Saxon to join the Tyrants Who are a kind of rogue PMC, I guess Also, they are the bosses from Deus Ex Humor Evolution Which I think is something you want to talk about later on, Josh Yeah, big time Namir promises to help Saxon to find the people who killed Strike Six So Saxon says he'll join his group Another name I should quickly tell you about, though, is Anna Kelso. Now, she's given as much prominence as Saxon on the cover, but nowhere near as much time in the game. And I can only assume she would have been more involved in later episodes. We'll explain in a a bit. But Kelso is a recovering addict and former U.S. Secret Service agent who is seemingly quite important in the book but not as important in the game. Uh, With all that said, the story of the... I'll tell you about the story of the fall. The story of the fall begins with Saxon recounting some old stories for Kelso, a previous mission with the tyrants, uh, as well as how he left the group after a heated discussion with the leader, Namir. Saxon then... Ju- after the after the heated discussion he jumps out of a plane and he looks dead cool and all serious and sh- it's proper legend stuff really cool he is so, so once all that flashback business is done Saxon travels to Panama City to look for more Neuropazine as Saxon and Kelso's stash of the drug has completely run out Saxon's contact tells him there's an underground doctor uh, doling out some of uh, this Neuropazine in the slums now Neuropazine it's a drug that those with augmentations can take to help with their body rejecting the mechanical body parts. And this is when Saxon learns about a newer, cheaper, and unregulated alternative to neuropazine called Ryzine. Mm -hmm. And this then leads Saxon to go down the drug conspiracy rabbit hole, where eventually Saxon discovers that the company manufacturing Ryzine, a company called Zapphire, has enlisted the help of the PMC bell tower to distribute Ryzine to the local gang effectively testing the drug on those in poverty and then covering up any drug-related deaths by getting rid of the corpses. Mm. Nasty bastards. Not not right. Stop that. Mm. So... Saxon, looking to put a stop to that, he eventually meets up with a World Health Organisation, yeah, as in, like, the one you heard about loads during the <laughs> pandemic, uh, but an inspector from Who, Who, indeed, is looking into rising in Panama City. The inspector tells Saxon that rising isn't ready for public consumption, but before the inspector can go public, the baddies in a helicopter gun the bastard down <laughs> and the baddies, the tyrants... And there's somebody else on the helicopter with them. Oh my God, it's Sam Duarte. This is a terrible reveal. Because as I said, his existence and perceived death I guess is mentioned as this passing thing by Saxon in the first 10 minutes or so mm. it really doesn't land maybe unless you've read the book Icarus Effect <laughs> I suppose anyway eventually Saxon is extracted out of this out of Panama City by a former Bell Tower pilot now friend Alex Vega as our hero set off for Canberra Australia and the headquarters of rising manufacturer Zapphire Biotech then we get a to be continued spl- flash
1: on screen we're, we're still waiting now <laughs> yeah we, we'll,
0: we'll we'll talk about them in a minute because now i want to talk about the developer and the developer of this one is called NFusion interactive and they're one of the strangest developers i've spoken about on here and i say strangest because they've been around a while they were set up in 1997 but they don't have something like you know, a, a Wikipedia page, right? And I always use that as my, like, starting point and then I branch out to try and get the actual facts, you know? But this company has been around for, like, 26 years, yet it's genuinely hard to just learn things about it. But on their website, they list 40 different games they've worked on, as well as four different VR and AR installations. So they've obviously been very prolific in during their tenure, but... Probably getting a bit ahead of myself. So, Enfusion Interactive, an indie studio set up in 1997, as I said, in Monmouth County, New Jersey, US of A. Yeehaw, I believe they say <laughs> in those parts. According to CEO Jeff Burns, in a video on the company's YouTube channel called Enfusion Interactive Unity Developer Profile, the dream when the company was initially formed was to make RPGs. However, as Burns says himself, the first needle mover for them was a squad-based first-person shooter called Deadly Dozen. Burns said, quote...
2: One of our peak moments was in 2001 and 2002 creating Deadly Dozen. That was a real high point for us because the games were received really well. It was like our first critical success. We were really kind of underdogs because we were a small company. We were not as big as these other companies out there that were making Medal of Honor, but yet... That's what we were up against. While
0: not perhaps the juggernaut that a Medal of Honor was, the first Deadly Dozen got a 7.1 from GameSpot and a 6.4 from IGN. Uh, The series did at least put the developer, you know, on the radar of people. And in particular, the sequel, which was called Deadly Dozen Pacific Theatre, that got an 8.3 from GameSpot and an 8.1 from IGN. Side note, the games do clearly hold a special place in N-Fusion's heart's Because they remastered them in a package called Deadly Dozen Reloaded, which was released in April of last year. But, as Burns added, the games industry can be tough when you're up against the big boys spending huge money. He
1: said, quote, When you're trying to compete with companies that are spending $100 million on a console game, it's very unrealistic. Or at least it was very unrealistic at the time to think that we can compete. And then all of a sudden, mobile games came along, and we saw this as a fantastic opportunity to be the best on something. From that came our first iOS game, which was called Airmail. So, lead designer Tyler
0: Munden started working on mobile game prototypes in 2010, 2011 ish, while Infusion were trying to get a grip on this new tech well, I sp- you know, still relatively new in the big scheme of things. Uh, CEO Jeff Burns said that Munden basically created the guts of Airmail himself. So they then brought on an art director called Carissa Isolano to find the game's look. The look that was found was heavily inspired by Studio Ghibli films, uh, particularly Porco Rosso. The game was eventually published by Chillingo and it wouldn't go on to do Angry Birds numbers or anything like that when it released in 2012, but... You know, even just looking at, at it critically, it sits on an 85 on Metacritic and it, it. I suppose I shouldn't dull the success of it. It, it was a decent success, you know. Uh, one of the most important things about it, though, as Burns states, is that it was an infusion game, like, specifically. He said,
2: quote, It was our own game. The first one that we've actually ever put out that was our own property. Really, for any development company, that's what you're striving for. If you start to gain properties, that's what makes you worth something. This kind of led to another opportunity. We were approached by Square Enix to make a, ver- a mobile version of Deus Ex. It was terrifying.
0: Infusion came up with the idea to create a sequel to Deus Ex Icar- Icarus Effect, the novel I mentioned earlier. So, timeline-wise, and I, yeah, I, I also alluded to this, Deus Ex The Fall takes place right after the introduction of Human Revolution, but before the majority of that game. So, Basically, if you don't know, if you haven't played Human Revolution, there's an attack in Human Revolution, the early goings of the game. And the main character, Adam Jensen, is then out of commission for six months. And the story of the fall takes place in that six months. Anyway, after sign off, Infusion got to work on the game. And over the course of the next 12 months... They worked with the creative team at IDOS Montreal as well as publisher Square Enix to bring a Deus Ex-like experience to iPhone and iPad. In fact, in an interview in July 2013 on GodasAGeek.com with, let me see, with Colm O'Hearn. Sounds like a very handsome, (laughs) very handsome man. Uh, Square Enix mobile producer James Wright broke down how the three companies worked together. Wright said, quote,
1: fusion are the guys who will have an idea or create a level or write a draft of the script. That then comes back to us at Square and the creative team at Idus Montreal, and we'll sit down and say that's not quite how it fits in Deus Ex, or this would work better. Uh, for example, the script took about eight months. Uh, that was a case of a draft script being produced, then all of us having a workshop in Montreal, uh, then have another workshop in New Jersey. It was much more of a collaboration between both ourselves and Enfusion, wanting to really make the best Deus Ex game that we could. Uh, the experts on the franchise are the guys who spent the last four or five years creating Human Revolution, so we listened to those guys pretty much all the time uh, to make sure the game was an authentic Deus Ex experience.
0: But we have a lot to get through before we tell you, dear listener, if it is in fact an authentic Deus Ex experience. So that is more or less the story of Enfusion Interactive up until the launch of Deus Ex The Fall. The publisher then is, uh oh. my God, it's another biggie. It's Square Enix. And second to maybe Sony, if I was to go completely into the origins of Square and then completely into the origins of Enix and then into the merged company of Square Enix, well, we'd be here an awful long time. So, <laughs> thank God for these pared back publisher stories then. But still, let me give you a bit of background. So, Enix, first of all, was founded in September 1975 by a Japanese businessman called Yasuhiro Fukushima. And the first thing they published wasn't video games, it was actually tabloid newspapers. Uh, Which is quite the, I guess, Nintendo did cards first, I suppose. In the early 1980s, they delved into the video game market, with their most popular series being the Chunsoft-developed Dragon Quest games. The first game came out in 86 and would sell one and a half million copies in Japan alone. Their name wasn't as well known in the West, as most of their games just didn't really make it to Europe and America. The other side then, Square, they were a bit better known over here so square was founded in october 1983 by masafumi miyamoto as the video game division of a company called den yusha now talk about tabloid newspapers to games the video game vision of den yusha den yusha was a construction company owned by miyamoto's dad Yeah, they build power lines, right? I don't know. It reminds me a bit, I guess, of Ubisoft being farmers and then going, yeah, I want to get into games. Give it a go, see what that's like. So in 86, it was spun off into its own company and they had their first hit in 87 with a game called Final Fantasy, a game that was heavily inspired by Enix's Dragon Quest from a year earlier. Final Fantasy would sell 400,000 copies and become the publisher's big series, especially on this side of the world, obviously. Uh, because like Enix, Square's output in the West it just wasn't as prolific as what they were doing in Japan at the time. Then in 2003, the companies merged, becoming Square Enix. Obviously, I'm skipping over uh, some real palace intrigue here and, you know, power struggles and all that. But regardless, the companies merged and in the 10 years that followed, up until the release of Deus Ex The Fall... Square made in, Square Enix, I should say, made inroads in more global markets, including this side of the world, with the acquisition of Idos Interactive in 2009. And this also included development studios like Crystal Dynamics and Idos Montreal. Now, obviously, this added some heft to their portfolio, and in particular, you know, heft that mattered to Western audiences like Tomb Raider, Legacy, Kane. Hitman and Thief, Commandos, which we spoke about a few weeks ago, and the series we're talking about today, Deus Ex. Again, a near criminally quick rundown of Square Enix's very long history, but a lot of those games we're going to be talking about in future episodes, you know, so... But that's Square Enix, up until the launch of Deus Ex The Fall. Typically then, this is where I tell you the sales of the game we're discussing today, and... I have no idea.
1: I've just, I have nothing. (laughs) But we can say that they probably weren't great, right? Because, you know, it never was continued. Critical reception, though, I
0: can tell you that. On iOS, it has a Metacritic score of 69. Whilst on PC, its Metacritic score is 45. And we're going to talk about why there is such a disparity there. But we're going to do that after we take a quick little break. Where the people at home can listen to the launch trailer for Deus Ex the Fall. So get get accustomed to Ben Saxon, dear listener, and then we will be back right after that.
3: My name is Ben Saxon. I'm a mercenary. A soldier. I lost everything I was. I became a killer. I went rogue.
1: Access
4: granted.
3: Then I turned against the darkness and the lies, fed to me by those hiding in shadows. others who believe in the same cause. And now I'm fighting to survive. I can never let them win.
0: Right then, let us talk some of the marketing and press coverage around Deus Ex The Fall. And let us start with the marketing, the pre-launch marketing. Firstly, that launch trailer that our listeners just heard. Yeah, any any general thoughts to the introduction to Ben (laughs) Saxon? Um.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, I I mean, if... (laughs) Because people at that, you know, at that time (laughs) watching this trailer (laughs) will have, lots of them will have played human, Human Revolution, right? So, you know, I think, possibly... That you could look at this trailer and kind of think it looks amazing for that time, Be- bearing in mind that it's a that it's a mobile game, which is a, a thing that's going to come up a couple times in this episode. The sort of like you know good and bad. I, don't, I I think in terms of like sort of showcasing what the game is and 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 kind of what it does. It's, it's a really really cool trailer. What I will say is that Ben Saxon. Not maybe the most gripping of mm. people to kind of lead, lead a trailer.
0: As you said, you're seeing this trailer and it is the launch trailer for the iOS version. Like that's all this is, that's all that's there at this time. Uh, so you're looking at it going like, you know, they got this onto a phone. They got this onto an iPad. That is quite impressive. Yeah. There, like, there were a couple of things that preceded this. There was a teaser trailer, a very short teaser trailer, which we'll talk about in, in our news section. There was like an explainer announcement video about just how you play the game, because I think maybe some people were a bit confused as <laughs> to, you know, how this would work.
2: I That's definitely more of a video, though, just to kind of go, this actually does run, though. Look at it, look at it, we're playing it. <laughs>
0: definitely. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it, it also got uh, an E3 trailer as well. And yeah, and of course it got a, a launch trailer for the... For the PC, which is, you know, basically it's very similar to the iOS one, just mentioning the PC features. But one thing I wanted to really highlight, actually, was an interesting video I found from E3 2013. So it was posted on the 22nd of June. And this was Square Enix Presents E3 2013, Day 3, day Ex The Fall. This is a sort of a Nintendo treehouse type thing Square were doing at E3 where you would have a host or any, you know, IGN do it, GameSpot do it. Like all the, the mm. websites do it. They'll have somebody sitting down. P- developers will come in, they'll show off their game, they'll go cool and then they'll leave. And, and that's, but you have like Nintendo or maybe the most famous example of like a publisher doing it in-house. So this is Square doing that type of thing. And I had a couple of clips from this that I wanted to to highlight. One was this clip of mobile producer James Wright answering a question about the challenges that they faced when bringing Deus Ex to the iPhone and iPad. So take a listen to this.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think um, that, you know, that there, there were many challenges. Um, Primarily, uh, uh, the the controls. So Deus Ex: Human Revolution, uh, you know, was was on console and, and or on, on PC uh, with with a keyboard and mouse. And so obviously, we, we we didn't have that. So for us, the the challenge was in creating uh, an authentic Deus Ex experience where you had uh, the choice of action, stealth gameplay, uh, as well as social interaction and, and hacking. So setting out to retain that experience but not trying to shoehorn the controls of a console and mm-hmm. PC game you know, into, into uh, the, the mobile uh, uh, platform. So for us, it was a case of you know, building the game from the ground up and, and really focusing on, on the controls and making sure that we, we streamline many aspects. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go into, into full detail, but there's certain uh, areas that we've changed, like, for example, uh, the way uh, you run and, and jump. So we've made running automatic, so it's not a separate button. Mm-hmm. Uh, jumping has been replaced with vaulting. So that basically allows us to uh, still have the same experience, still be able to explore different areas and not have to worry about first-person platform uh, action, which is great when you have a controller, mm-hmm. uh, but not not so good, you know, on a on a, on a touchscreen uh, display. When you're
0: listening to that, Adam, and I know we're like, we always, importantly, we say, we are talking about these games, playing them today, but try and cast your mind back to the time when Robin Thicke was annoyingly uh, conquering the airwaves <laughs> and you were also watching this interview. Would what he is saying...
2: Excite me? Yeah. Well, from that clip alone... And no, would not really excite me because he says he doesn't want to give away too much. He doesn't get into it. So he just tells us that like <laughs> sprinting is, is, is just, it's just going to go ahead. And I'm like, all right, cool. But like, of course you want this game to feel like a Deus Ex game, I guess. And in that clip, it's, there's nothing really that's making me go, oh, they got this. This, this sounds like it. <laughs> it's on point. I
0: have another clip here. Again, from this video and again, it is producer James Wright. They're answering the question about, like, the master plan for Deus Ex The Fall and whether there will, in fact, be more. So take a listen to this.
5: We are saying that this is uh, this is the start of, uh, of the story um, uh, on, uh, on the mobile and, uh, and smartphone platform. So uh, uh, it will continue. We're not really talking about um, what form that will take right now. But yes, the, the, the story will, will continue. So it is the beginning for us.
4: Something to look forward to.
5: Isn't it? Isn't it just? Still
0: looking now. I mean, we, we've, I guess, made reference to this. and We'll talk about it more as well as we go along. But there is no more. No. Like I, I said it in the story recap, you go to Canberra in Australia, but you, the player, don't go to Canberra. Hm. Australia. You wave the characters goodbye. Mm. There is no more. Shit happens. And like you got to assess things on sales and et cetera, et cetera. If this had been a rip-roaring success, then I suppose there probably would have been more, but there wasn't. Um, I have some pre-launch press coverage for you boys as well, and this is a delight because I remember all of this happening. So, before the game comes out, on the 3rd of June, the Deus Ex Twitter account tweets, quote, are you ready for the fall? (laughs) And people went, ooh, I am ready for the fall. And I suppose we should rewind a little bit further. In around February-ish, eagle-eyed Deus Ex fans spotted trademark filings for both Deus Ex The Fall and Deus Ex Human Defiance. Now, people thought Deus Ex The Fall was going to be a Human Revolution sequel, while they thought Deus Ex Human Defiance was going to be the name of a movie, a Deus Ex movie that was announced in July 2012. Neither of these things were true. <laughs> Deus Ex The Fall obviously turned out to be, well, Deus Ex The Fall, the, the mobile game we're going to be talking about today, was Human Defiance turned out to be an April Fool's joke. And people were like, oh, okay. <laughs> Which is maybe a bit of a shit because I thought that the, that April Fool's joke, I thought looked great. It was this 2D retro really cool. pixelated Deus Ex is like this looks great I would love to play this game but yeah alas it never happened yeah. and from that moment people had their backs up as they learned more and more about Deus Ex The Fall so from an article here on Eurogamer Deus Ex The Fall is six hours long the first of a series and will contain in-app purchases po- posted on the 7th of June 2013 People got cross when they learned that Deus Ex The Fall would have microtransactions. Obviously something that the console and PC games didn't have Mm. and they were being introduced here. So once again, we turn to producer James Wright, who was asked about this by Eurogamer. And Wright said, quote,
2: I think it's enough to have the one-off fee. Once you've paid that amount of money, you get to see all that games got to offer. But it's one of those things in the terms of of the mobile market and expectations. Sometimes people want to play a, a bit faster. They want to accelerate their game playing. So it's an option if people want to do that. But you don't have to put a single penny in to see the full content the game's got to offer.
0: I guess trying to put the fire out a little bit. Yeah. Because especially around this time... It, the word like if you heard the words microtransactions it was pay to win and it was like mm. Mm. you know where, whereas here he's going like it, you can still you can still play all of us <laughs> and you know you you don't have to buy things if you don't want to mm. uh, i have some interviews for you lads i wanted to play a clip from an interview posted on the 9th of july 2013 this was with executive game director, Jean-Francois Dugas, who was uh, yeah speaking to Game Reactor. And they asked him about the reaction from fans when it was announced that this was going to be an iOS game. And Dugas said... This
6: it was for peop- uh, uh, fans they were shocked in yeah. the sense that they were uh, waiting for the next big installment in the franchise and now when they see it's mobile oh my god what the hell is that and that kind of so uh, people like people who play on mobile they were so excited people who played like human revolution on consoles and everything they were in shock and everything and to me the way I look at it is that we look at different opportunities to to broaden our franchise and bring it maybe to another audience that wouldn't have played it in the first place and, and everything, and I think it's a great uh, product that expands the the universe. But what I can tell to the fan, uh, tell the fans, is that uh, uh, it's not mutually exclusive. It's not because we're exploring certain ideas on mobile that we're stopping our efforts into the the, the big consoles or yeah. or PC uh, PC games and, and whatnot. So the only thing I would say to those who are unhappy is like, please be patient.
0: Just please be patient and please be patient for about what was it, three years later, Mankind Divided? Another
1: three years,
6: yeah.
0: I mean, there was quite a gap between Human Revolution and Mankind Divided. But this was obviously designed as the stopgap. And, you know, Adam, you said you weren't excited by what was said in that earlier clip, but the executive game director here is telling you, like, people who play on phones were excited by this announcement. So what's your problem? I don't know, Colm.
2: I don't know. Did the fall change my opinion on mobile gaming? We'll soon find out.
6: <laughs> so
0: I have another clip here then from Games Hub TV. This was posted on the 5th of January 2014, but I'm pretty sure this is from June 2013. And this, once again, is director Jean-Francois Dugas, who is answering a question about why they've gone the mobile route. So he's already told you, look, We went the mobile route, but that doesn't mean Mankind Divided isn't going to happen. But this is him saying why they've gone the mobile route rather than doing a, a console PC Deus Ex after Human Revolution, so take a listen to this.
6: Well, we're always looking at uh, where the market is going, the different opportunities. Uh, for us, uh, when we we completed Human Revolution, we were uh, people were asking us like, so what do you want to do after this game and everything? And I always answered that uh, I wanted us to take uh, care of the franchise and 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 make it bloom and make it uh, explore new areas and, and stuff like that. And and for for me, uh, this uh, this game the Fall. It's our first step into exploring other platforms, other ways to deliver a DSX game and everything, and, and seeing like uh, where it can be interesting and how we can uh, take advantage of those uh, different platforms. So for me, it, it's all about uh, expanding our franchise beyond the confines of just the, the, like, the core platforms. Or, it's
0: just expanding beyond the core platforms, Josh, and trying to open up Deus Ex to people who maybe wouldn't have played Human Revolution, perhaps.
1: Yeah? No, I think the problem problem with that, right, is like, obviously he's sort of going, oh, yeah, people are angry because they think that we're doing this Deus Ex game, right? And it's going to slow down the other shit. They're not going to get their game for like another three years, right? And that's that may not be true. They may have different teams just working on different games. And like... You know, fair enough that they want to do the full. But that guy said two things there. And one of them was, uh, I wanted us to take care of the franchise, make it bloom and explore new areas. That's a cool thing. That's a laudable fucking dream, you know. And so do I. I think it's awesome. Um, But, you know, the other thing he said uh, is, is where the market's going. Now, one of those statements... Is the real dirty little secret and the sort of truth, and then the other one is just, I think, just really good PR, but that, but but that is also a genuinely felt feeling. It's like if you want to do books, and you know, people love Deus Ex. they want to read about the fucking Illuminati and Ben Sachs God speed to him. God speed to him. But you know. <laughs> It, th- that doesn't mean it has to be a mobile game, you know? Because the thing is, if you're saying, oh, you know, it's not slowing down Mankind Divided, you're still going to get that in a few years to so chill out. I'm going, yeah, fair play. But it doesn't have to be a mobile game, though. Like, do a an episode, do this, but on consoles and make it a lot better than it is, right? But the answer is, look, you know, it's there's some guys in, uh, high up in Square Enix and they told us to do a fucking mobile thing and they told us to put a load of microtransactions in there.
2: All right, uh, that, that's the real answer. I would expect that answer a bit more. Maybe not go, go. they're making us put in microtransactions. <laughs> <but> like, <laughs> they're
0: like, making us, they're making us. I just don't think
2: we'll ever live in a world where a game that has previously been on a powerful console, whatever, <laughs> such as <laughs> Mankind divide River, and then they go down this mobile route that the fan base is going to go, way brilliant. Mm -hmm. Similar thing happened with, didn't, um was it Diablo or something? Didn't when they announced the whole mobile Mm -hmm. game? Diablo Immortal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost feel that it's like, have a team doing this one and then
1: have the the follow-up of the the console one as well because you're just going to get so much shit. But at the same time though, right? Metal Gear Acid, brilliant. You know, Metal Gear Solid Portable Ops, brilliant. Peace Walker, brilliant. No one's saying... You know, don't do interesting side stuff yeah. that's interesting for totally nutty reasons. But I, they're just saying don't put the don't put a microtransaction in there. And also, a lot of people, you know, me and Adam, by the sounds of today's intro, are going, don't put it on mobile. Yeah, like,
0: but like when there are, you mentioned all those. I'll also throw Deus Ex Go, Hitman Go. Oh Goal. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you can do it. It, I guess it's when people saw the trailer and people saw this and basically saw a kind of a mini Deus Ex, yes. a Deus Ex light. <laughs> yes. That's where they went like, ooh, whereas if they saw Deus Ex go, yeah. maybe yeah. they'd be like, Ooh, that's different.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It's a bloody good point. And actually I I do I love those Go games. For any fan, you're like, but I don't want I don't want a Deus Ex game to be a
2: DSX game on a mobile. Mm. Like you it just it should always be way more out there,
0: I think around this time, and when I say around this time, I kind of mean maybe I don't know a five-year period ish. Yeah. Another series which you know it, it, it just popped into my head. You had like an Uncharted try mm. and condense its experience down into that pocket size, and I know it's a bit different. There are buttons, there are blah blah blah. It's a bit different, but but that's just another example of what. People were trying to do yeah. in a lot of cases they were going right the one that's on the telly shrink it down
1: yeah and actually and, and, it, and it worked a lot of bloody times it did that uncharted game was brilliant it more or less was a full fat uncharted game you know but um, it, it is mainly the controls for me as I'm sure we'll get into in this episode but the, that's my that's my main thing with mobile games you know it's just that screen oh yeah you, 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 you just can't do it really I mean even a, for games like this anyway yeah yeah for sure.
0: So in an interview posted on the 11th of June 2013 on Silicon Era, the article titled "Idas Montreal Tells Us All About Deus Ex The Fall. Uh, game director Jean-Francois Dugas once again was asked about the game having multiple paths and endings like a regular Deus Ex game. And he said,
1: quote, What we really want to do is maintain the experience in the global sense of what Re- Human Revolution was all about. Uh, I think he just means like the general sense. That's an odd phrase. You can play stealthily or you can play guns blazing and everything. You can choose to kill or not to kill. All those things. You will meet people you decide to help or not. How you deal with them is going to have some impact on whether this happens or that happens. It's a smaller product than Human Revolution, but it keeps the same tenets as the, as the original one. And therefore, what you do and what choices you make are tracked. Uh, and it's going to help flesh out where the game is going. That would have been really cool if they did make more and your choices in the earlier episodes actually were a thing. That that, that I'm up for, that Telltale-style thing, you know?
0: Then in another really interesting interview, and now this was posted after the fact. This was posted on the 9th of July 2014 on PC Games N. Uh, the interview titled, Deus Ex the Fall Devs on Difficulty of Porting to PC. Expectations are really high. Now, this was an interview with PC Games N and uh, N-Fusion. And the CEO of n Fusion, Jeff Burns, was asked about porting the fall to PC. And again, yeah, this is four months after the game has launched on PC. So Burns said, quote,
2: On a mobile platform, the game is pretty fantastic. I'm talking from a technical standpoint. But if you take, if you take a game and put it on a PC platform, which is a lot more powerful, then expectations are really high. If you don't up the game to match that level, then players will have a negative reaction to it.
0: Then Infusion producer, Joe Parisi, also spoke about porting it to PC, but specifically spoke about the
1: controls. So he said, quote... It's not just one-to-one, like, Give it better graphics. Oh, now it works on PC. Even down to how the game controls, there's a lot of things you can do on a mobile vo- device, which are pretty forgiving, um, especially if you're talking about a first-person shooter or anything where you need to navigate 3D space and shoot things. You have to cater for it. If the AI is too good, the game's going to be frustrating. You make these sacrifices to make sure the game's enjoyable for anyone to play. Sometimes that doesn't translate well when you take it to another platform.
0: Indeed. No. There's there's talk of people being unhappy with the port. And maybe how controls didn't really pan out. So rather than talk about that here, why not? Look, let's just take a quick break and then we will be back to begin our review of Deus Ex the Fall so we can tell the lovely listeners our opinions on this very game. So, yeah, we'll be back in just a tick. Right then, now it's time after all that discussion of pre-launch marketing and press coverage and developer profiles and publisher profiles and all that, it is time to give you, dear listener, our opinion of Deus Ex The Fall in our review. So, what we typically do is we split games up into sections. Uh, we talk about the game's Stealth. We talk about the game's Boom Boom, which is just kind of, you know, the the other gameplay bits. We talk about the most noteworthy mission level area. And we talk about the story as well, of course, and just anything else we have to add. We have a little miscellaneous section at the end. But before any of that, I want to know, you two lads, I want to know your knowledge of Deus Ex The Fall before you played it for this very podcast. So, Adam Carroll, I'm guessing this wasn't one that you were playing in July of 2013 on your iPhone.
2: It was not. I never heard of this release. I know the series... I've read the Icarus Effect three times. No. Wh-
0: what? No. I didn't, I didn't. Oh I just God. wanted
2: to get that reaction.
0: <laughs> oh, I thought you were keeping that under your hat there. That was incredible.
2: <laughs> One of my all-time favourites. Um, no, but what is true, this is the first ever Deus Ex game that I finished. Did you just bounce off them? Um, I'll get to that.
0: Okay, okay. well, when, when we talk about the other Deus Ex
1: games... <laughs> get to that in like two years
2: (laughs) (laughs) no there's a particular mechanic that i mentioned in the notes that i didn't enjoy and i just got thrown off right right right, right, what about you have you
0: finished a deus ex game before had you finished deus ex the fall 10 years ago
1: no 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 i i had if you said those words to me deus ex the fall I had physically heard those words. I wouldn't have been able to tell you what it was. I I actually think... I thought it was one... I thought it was a book. I knew that there was a load of um, like tie-in novels and stuff. I think I probably just thought it was one of them. I was unaware... If you said, oh, Deus Ex Mobile, I would have thought of, like, Deus Ex Go. I didn't even know what this was. Unlike you, Cullum, Mr. Mr., you are ready for the fall, aren't you? Or at least you were in 2013. Oh, baby, I've been falling for the past decade. I've been (laughs) falling for Ben Saxon. I have. Uh,
0: Yeah, I played this on the iPad when it first came out. As you know, I made reference to me interviewing the the producer ten years ago. As is that well.
1: why you played it? Because you did the interview? Or were you actually excited? So this is two years after Human
0: Revolution, and Human Revolution was my first Deus game, and I played that, and I was spoilers for when we do Human Revolution in twenty twenty nine. I was blown away. Well, maybe not spoilers. I don't know. Mine hold up? But uh, I was blown away, and when there was tell of this. I was like, yeah, like I I want more of that world. So if it's coming to the iPad, give it to me. And I was also not vehemently against the idea of mobile games. Like when you develop for the platform. Yes. And when I played it, I enjoyed it. Like I, I will say that. But the thing is, we should get a couple of things out of the way at this stage. And and some of these will no doubt um, be referenced throughout, but it's best to set our stall out early enough, right? I played the game on mobile 10 years ago. I didn't in the past two weeks. And you didn't, Adam, and you didn't, Josh, no. because we can't. Yeah. Because it is not available on mobile stores, on the Google Play Store or on the App Store. It was taken down some few years back. I couldn't get an exact date, but it was taken out a couple of years back. And the only way to, you know, Caps Lock, legitimately play yeah. this game yeah. is yeah. on PC. If, you're, if you want to play it on your iPhone, if you, if you jailbreak it, or I guess it's probably easier on Android. But yeah, if you just want to legitimately play this, the only way to play it is on PC. Now, as I say, I played it 10 years ago. I went into my previously purchased apps to see if I could re-download it. And I can't. Oh shit, really? I, I, I can't honestly say that I didn't play it on a different account. Maybe I did, but I, I just, I feel like that would be weird. So I don't, I don't know. Now, another thing worth mentioning is that the, well, I guess the differences between the versions. So as we said, the mobile had microtransactions while the PC version didn't. The PC version, the Steam version, also added Steam achievements, obviously, and trading cards. uh, Added keyboard and mouse support, of course, and controller support. Because on mobile, obviously, it was all touchscreen. And as already mentioned, they had plans to do more Deus Ex The Fall. This was very clearly intended to be part one, episode one, chapter one, whatever you want to call it. So much so that on the main menu, to this day, there is an option called, quote, more content. <laughs> <laughs> when you click into that, you're greeted with just text on screen that says, quote, the story will continue. Stay tuned for updates.
1: Oh, wow.
0: And in many ways, I saw that and I was like, well, God. That's quite sad, actually.
1: It is. Yeah, like a little ghost. It'd be quite nice if they just changed that. It's just like, sorry, there ain't none or something. Something that make you laugh a little bit. Because that is sort of a bit sad, a bit like a ghost town. You See the sort of the remains of what was. So
0: for those of you that didn't play along at home, let me give you a bit of an outline as to actually what you do in the game. So Day Ex The Fall is a very short... First-person, immersive sim-like. During missions, you are able to go in all guns blazing and turn the game into a cover shooter if you want. Or you can attempt to sneak around your enemies, picking them off one by one with stealth takedowns and silenced weapons and the like. You know, a Deus Ex fair. You can do that by purchasing weapons and items via the shop in the pause menu. More on that later or by putting Praxis points into your augmentations. And that's just what the game calls your upgrade points and your skill tree. And I think that's kind of it, because we're going to talk about all of that and more now, (laughs) I suppose. (laughs) So yes, let us first talk about the stealth of Deus Ex The Fall. And kind of like, like I just said, I just wanted to mention that this is all the trappings of a Deus Ex game. It it is bite-sized Deus Ex and I think it succeeds in some areas but it does fail quite miserably in most. (laughs) You can crouch down and sneak around areas. You can hug your waist-high walls staying out of enemies' eyesight for fear. They'll become alarmed and they'll, you know, call reinforcements. You can remove vent coverings and then you can clamber in and Scoot about these impossibly large grown man sized tunnels, which always weird me out. I'm just like, is it actually like this in America? Do you have these (laughs) big John McLean sized vents? Because what's going on? Mm. But yeah, you you can hop in them and, you know, avoid guards. Or if you're looking to get the jump on guards from a different angle, they're very handy for that as well. You can use some augmentations that aid sneakiness like the ability to see through walls or the one where you're able to cloak yourself, which I know uh, you wanted to mention, Josh. So I'll leave you take the mantle on that. There's also the hacking, which, you know, returns from Human Revolution, where, uh, again, it's stealthy. You're, you're, you have to avoid detection by completing a successful hack in a set time. Again, it's something that you wanted to mention, Adam. I'll let you take the baton on that. But I just wanted to shine a light on the makeup of this world and how it is very much reminiscent of the choice and stealth you expect from a Deus Ex game. In particular, Deus Ex Human Revolution. It is, you know, simple things like it's black and gold, it's near future, it's everything you expect from this series post that game in 2011. The difference, (laughs) and it's a huge difference, that we're going to really drill down on, of course, is that everything about it does feel pared back. Like, even what I mentioned off the top, yes, you do need to watch out for enemies spotting you and calling in for reinforcements. But some guards are either thick as shit or have terrible eyesight. It's, it's almost like some of their peripheral vision is it's just non-existent or that they have literal tunnel vision and you know they don't have a cone I guess and I I am saying some guards because this weirdness it's not consistent at all like sometimes the guards actually have 20-20 vision but there was there was one uh, moment that really made this stand out to me about guards like the AI being pretty bad in, in certain areas it was in an area called The Drug Den, which is a literal place on the map. And just before you go there, you, you open a door and you're greeted with a message or you try to open a door and the message says... Do you want to go to the drug den? It's very good. I really like it. I'll share this image on the Stealth Boom Boom Social's hashtag join the conversation. Would you go to a drug den? And another thing I wanted to mention was what I said about vents and just getting around areas. Yes, like that is true. But what's not in the fall is any verticality. Yeah. Or... Well I suppose that's not like that that's not entirely true to be fair. Like like if if I'm being technical, there are a handful of ladders and stairs that you can climb, but 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 it's so rigid. It is prescribed verticality. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, what a phrase, that's brilliant <laughs> Cross that off in your bingo card <laughs> But like,
4: oh. there's
0: just, there, there's no room for creativity from the player It just, it doesn't feel like the sandbox you expect from a Deus Ex mm. While it's clearly a Deus Ex game It also just feels like a, a much lesser, like a, a Deus Ex, a much lesser Deus Ex clone I mean...
1: It's a lot like Dark, in a way. It feels like as close to Dark as it does to bigger Deus Ex. Like, quite prescribed, quite bog standard, quite meat and potatoes, quite, yeah, there's your cover, there's your ladder, there's your this, there's your that, and here's some abilities. But, like, so my my main thing was, like, and I said this about Dark, and I'll say it again. Like, I don't mind just solid line-of-sight stealth, especially with Deus Ex, uh, The Fall, which uses the same system as Human Revolution, where you just snap into cover. And it's actually... it's It works well. It's quite an elegant system. It worked here perfectly fine. Um, and you can just press a button to hop from one cover to the next cover, if you're like adjacent to it you can sort of and that feels quite cool but because it doesn't have a lot of the sort of immersive simi trappings of its sort of bigger brother it kind of it kind of only has the really the really bog standard stuff which is peppered and sort of spiced up with some of the magic powers uh, augmentations um but not really in a kind of as creative a way so one of the things that was really cool about Human Revolution was that it had all these different systems um, and the systems kind of sparked off of each other. So you could just pick up like boxes and stuff in Human Revolution, which to your point about the verticality, it meant that the verticality was not prescribed, right? You could just choose Mm -hmm. to stack a box on a box and then climb on all the boxes and jump over a thing you feels like you shouldn't be able to get to, right? But those systems were also really broad. So for instance, if you were just doing a little stealthy run, you could pick up a box um, and just like lob it. And that was a really good way of using misdirection. You could make a guard look one way and you could sneak the other way. That's not really the case in the fall. It's just memorize the guard patterns, do the line of sight thing. If you've got your cloaking ability, do that and just run past them if you want. And that's kind of it. But I sort of don't want to punish it too much because for a mobile game with the ambitions that it has I mean it's, it actually exceeds dark in a number of ways <laughs> I wish I could memorize the kind of
2: like patterns of the enemies and stuff to a degree mm. and because I think it goes back to what you said Column. they kind of are for the most part tick as shit there are moments though that I felt it was unforgiving but in, in a kind of not a, like I'm not like I'm caught in dark and listen to the absolute onslaught of bullets that are being shot at me. It was more like, so for example, there was one particular area that had like, it was a very short kind of door to door area with like I was up high and it was kind of like like a platform going straight across, and no matter how many times and no matter what way I went across it, I was spotted all the time. Right, so much so that even if I exited that area and came back again later on when she was still. It it was like it was like I was spotted once and the lads on patrol were told to never leave that area ever again in their lifetime. (laughs) And they had to stay there. Right. But then there was moments then of like getting spotted and then the enemies kind of running away kind of shouting and being all mental but like hiding around the corner and not really coming at me but then they'd randomly just come at me and start just like blow me apart. I I couldn't really understand or figure out the the, the AI in us like at times. There's one moment even as well where um, it's, it's, a, it's a particular area where you can stealth on through the like from the ground or else mainly you'll probably take the ladder that's right there on the right and you go up but it's an area where there's like this It's the first ever kind of robot surveilling kind of thing. I don't know what it is really just coming along. And I was up high and I was in the corner like there was no way I could be seen. And this thing forever caught me like and I was kind of going like, what the fuck? Like, how can I not get through this (laughs) area in this way? And that was bugging me. It just bugs me because I, I, the the stealth side of it then was kind of all over the shop for me. So Mm -hmm. I didn't some some areas perfect no matter at all you just get by fine it's like the lads don't even bother but then other times it was like oh here we're just getting all over the place but it was, it was very strange very strange
1: and they don't really like react very convincingly to what you're doing do they that was kind of a, a big part of like the the console ones i seem to remember was just like you know oh if if you knock a guy out like better hide his body because then otherwise the guy it was like a de- dependable AI. Whereas, you know, not not so much the case here.
0: Well, Josh, (laughs) thank you very much for mentioning knocking guards out and hiding their bodies because a staple of many a stealth slash stealthy video game and indeed a staple of Deus Ex. Well, not Deus Ex The Fall. I think I pretty much covered my problems with most of the stealth aspects of this game in my original talking point. But yeah, one thing I didn't mention was that the bodies of enemies vanish after you've either knocked them out or killed them. <laughs> so on mobile, I get it. and This kind of harkens back to me saying that I, certain changes on an iPad and on an iPhone, they make sense. But you need to develop for the platform you're on.
5: Mm.
0: I guess that's why people were, on the whole, not like overwhelmingly, but on the whole, people were taken by the original mobile version of the fall. On PC, which is, again, the only way to play this game in 2023, a lot of decisions don't work or make sense. (laughs) Some of which I want to mention in the boom boom section. But for now, just looking at those vanishing bodies uh, on a tablet or a phone, I get you're aiming to capture this Dasix-like experience while avoiding that fiddliness. Like, getting rid of dragging and hiding bodies isn't a bad decision. But on a PC, having bodies just vanish into thin air, it eliminates that tension that's present in most stealthy games after a kill. That's sort of, okay, so I, I, I've killed that guy, but I now need to make sure I have enough time to go over there, grab the body and then stick it in this locker or this dumpster or whatever. Here, don't need to worry about it. Don't need to worry about it at all. Corpses Hmm. just dissipate into glitchy particles and then they're gone forevermore.
1: And not even, not even only when they're dead. But this is what (laughs) I was just going to say.
0: Like, without that post-kill tension, it is just... Meh But not even post kill Because mm. So like From behind You can either silently Take down an enemy Or yeah You can kill them Again It's standard sex Fair, Cool cool But As Josh just mentioned Bodies disappear Regardless of whether You murdered them Or you knocked them out And I mean <laughs> If that's the case Then why the fuck Would I kill them Why would I kill them? Like, I'm obviously, I'm going to go for the pacifist route if there's no extra difficulty attached. Which again, isn't right in my eyes. Like, if I knock a guy out, there should be tension that he's going to wake up. Because that's the thing. If I kill him, he's dead. I don't need to worry about it. But also, ooh, am I trying not to kill people and go for a pacifist run? Like, I don't know. It's something that again makes sense on the original platform, but it just feels so out of place and so odd. On PC.
1: And it also opens up like a weird existential dilemma because it's like, is that, is that guy ban- banished to like a theoretical realm? He's
0: gone to Assassin's Creed digital heaven. He's go-
1: <laughs> and he just disappeared. By the way, we should say as well, it's brilliant because when they dissolve, they dissolve into little triangles, which is like the motif <laughs> of Deus Ex. They love triangle. Well, the motif of human revolution and yeah at that point so i was like oh when they go back to the triangles from whence they came like fair (laughs) enough i think he is dead (laughs) he's in in purgatory (laughs) one thing
0: i suppose we should talk about is the augmentations specifically the more stealthy augmentations Mm. and one that you got quite a bit of use out of josh it's fair to say is the the cloaking uh, augmentation
1: yes the it's obscure from dark um, yes <laughs> it's yeah like and uh, augmentations are brilliant i bloody loved asx uh robot arms brilliant inspector gadget stuff the cloak is great and one of the things that's really funny about the cloak is that so the, the same thing happened in Dark. I love how much I'm comparing this game to Dark this week, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, uh, I like it just immediately, just uh, the moment I got Praxis uh, or, in, I think you need like two Praxis points to unlock it. And then another couple to max it out. I just rinsed it into the cloaking thing because I knew, I you know, stealth boom, boom. I'm doing it stealthily, you know, also because the boom, boom shit, but we'll get to that. Uh, and I just did that. And, But because uh, this game had, like, microtransactions, and now it it doesn't, on PC, you just have lots of money, like, in-game credits. So, all of your items in the game, you just buy, and they get, like... Amazon primed into Ben saxon's backpack like immediately, and that's and that's like whatever, a bit weird. But like, you can still see the scar tissue of where it used to be a mobile game, and you know, uh, and that's fine. But what that means is, and if you guys remember about Human Revolution, like the protagonist of that game, he only ever had like two battery cells, right? And they would they would recharge. He, you could have up to five. But any of the cells after his first two, you needed to munch on like cereal bars in order to fill them, which was just really funny. They got rid of it for Mankind Divided, but it was just really funny. It was You've got this guy and he's just yamming on like Nutri-Grain in order to, <laughs> in order to like thumps... <laughs> Like, I, I'll punch through a wall, but only if you give me one of them strawberry Nutri-grains first. And, but this Ben Saxon fella, because they don't have microtransactions, you've got, like, 3,000 credits at all times. I'm just rinsing all my money on cereal bars, piling it into the cloak ability, and just, like, <laughs> running through areas like an invisible ballerina. And it's, to be honest, I had an absolute blast with it. But it, but it is a little overpay. Yeah, I would say that. It's, um... Like, like the obscurability in dark. Only imagine that you could basically do it indefinitely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, it's. Uh, I I want to do want to talk about the inventory system in in a minute, but mm. it, I guess it has a a lot of the augmentations from human Revolution. Yeah, yeah. That so so it, it is trying to again give you a like for like experience. I suppose in many ways, and uh, one of those things to give it a like for like experience uh, is the hacking no adam carroll step atop your soapbox and tell <laughs> me why you detest hacking from deus ex the fall and i guess by extension other deus ex games post human revolution
2: okay so okay
0: for the people at home i suppose explain the hacking minigame or is that fucking,
2: How can I? It's <laughs> part of the reason here. When we said we were doing this game, this is the first thing that popped into my head was the hacking. I went, oh, no, this, this is going to have it too, isn't it? Now, I know there are quite a few people, a lot of people probably out there who are going, ah, Jesus, it's not that difficult, is this? It? And it's like, maybe to you it's not. This is one of the very few mechanics i suppose or whatever you want to call it in a video game that i can't wrap my head around i i feel personally that it's the tutorial surrounding it is always really kind of like it's very vague i think in a way it kind of like it makes sense but once it starts i'm always like oh jesus <laughs> and i get so thrown off when i see two lines just taking off having a little race and I start stressing and I'm opening up and I'm clicking stuff. And then there's three icons, one with a flag and another one
0: stops. Will I explain it for our, our listeners? Do, please. Basically how this works is you start, it's an A to B thing. You, you have little nodes on screen and bars joining those nodes together. And you go from one node to the other node. That's mm-hmm. the idea. And when you do that, you're able to unlock a door, typically. And when you click on a node, you have four options. One is hack the node. Mm -hmm. One is to use your nuke ability, which immediately hacks the node. So you don't have to like wait for a progress bar.
1: And also risk being uncovered as well. Because every time you hack a node, you have a percentage that's like, this is 50%. So flip a coin. And if you fuck it and get unlucky, then the system will start fighting you kind of thing. But with a nuke, you don't have to do that. Correct.
0: You also have the stop ability, which, because as Josh said, you also have to tend to the kind of opposing force, Mm -hmm. like the alarm system that's going to like, there's like a red line that starts in one area. And if that catches up to the node that you have unlocked, then alarms will go off and like baddies will will come and et cetera, et cetera. But (laughs) there are also other nodes where if you hack them, then you get, like, credits or uh, items or whatever else. Adam, I totally appreciate what you're saying. Like, it's not the simplest kind of door-unlocking system ever, right? It's not yeah. Skyrim, lift up the thing and unlock the yoke and blah, blah, It's not that. <laughs> but I love it.
2: Oh, I <laughs> love it. I just feel like this is why... And I know it's unfair to say, but this is why The Fall is the only DSX game that I've finished, because I'm all in on the atmosphere of definitely the last two DSX games that have come out. Like, I've been, like, Mm. mad to always get through them, but the hacking comes around too much in my life with that Mm. game, and I'm immediately, like, I just don't want to do this and like i keep on messing it up and i keep having uh, like alerted guards and everything coming at me and it's just turning into chaos and i think the aesthetic of it all completely suits the game that it is i understand it like as you say Column like the if, if 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 old ben saxon was bending down with a, a fucking pin and he was doing a job on it i'd be like that that's pretty ridiculous given given what this man can do but like it just doesn't click with me whatsoever. Like, I really, really struggle to get my head around it. And I don't think I ever will. Now, I got through the fall with it. But, you know, every time I did do it, I just kind of come away from it going, OK, it's opened. <laughs> Happy days. I love
0: the hacking in Human Revolution. And I when we talk about Human Revolution, I am going to, talk for an hour about the hacking I adore it but in the fall I think it's a bit wishy-washy isn't
1: it I think it's just the same isn't it or is oh, it so
0: okay well what I mean when I say that is there's no progression here or it's it's basically it's not long enough for you to progress to you like naturally upgrade your hacking augmentation oh, because that's yeah. what you're going to do in a human revolution you're going to start at level five because basically each door that you can hack also has a level attached to it. It's Mm -hmm. level one up to five. And if you have to uh, unlock certain augmentations to just even give it a go, and Mm -hmm. in something like, you know, the the console PC version, you do that naturally, and probably by the end you are able to hack level five doors. Mm. It's just, yeah, it's just this game just isn't long enough, really, for you to dump enough points into Ben Saxon and then go hacking the high level terminals or garage doors that are level fives. So like, I just basically ended up hacking mostly level ones and twos, maybe, I don't know, one or two threes because yeah. like, God forbid, I want to dump some points into some of Saxon's other abilities to yeah. check them out.
1: Fair, fair play actually. I, 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 also one of the things that sort of, uh, I found a little bit nutty about the, uh, You know, you've got like the hacking tool, like the auto tool. So if you can't be fucked hacking it, Mm -hmm. you can just chuck a little gizmo on the door and it'll auto hack it for you. Well, in Human Revolution, it was like that thing was amazing because you could buy them and it's like a one-time use thing. And they are like pretty pricey, but kind of invaluable to just keep a couple in your back pocket because they could just do any level. They could... Like mm-hmm. if you came up against like a level five door and you hadn't put points into your hacking, you could use one of these things in the fall. You can use the auto tool, but only if only if you're the right level. So it's like, oh, so all the auto tool does is just save me having to do the mini game now. It's not even like a bypass a level trick like it used to be. This is a really weird thing. I don't don't really understand. It's sort of just like, oh, buy one of them if you just want to skip the game but you, it actually doesn't give you any like extra access. I found out, by the way, that back in the day, uh, you, it was 99p of money if you wanted a uh, Praxis point. So God. I don't know how much the base game was when it first came out, Cullum, maybe you remember. I,
0: I remember it being a somewhat premium mm. uh, mobile game at the time. To- and when I say that, I mean...
1: Oh, God. Was that like eight, know, eight some quid?
0: Like 7 six, 99 a seven, Yeah, maybe ish.
1: Yeah, I think. Add a few more pounds on if you want your Praxis.
0: Indeed. So that is what we thought of the stealth of Deus Ex the Falls. So we're going to take a quick little break and then we will be back to talk about the Boom Boom and the most noteworthy mission level or area. So, yeah, we're going to be back right after this. <laughs> now it is time to continue our review of Deus Ex The Fall. Why stop while we're ahead and let us now talk about the boom boom of Deus Ex The Fall. And this is typically where we talk about the more explosive parts of the game and just, you know, other gameplay bits as well. But, you know, indeed it is called the boom boom section, so let us talk about the shooting of Deus Ex The Fall. And, I have mentioned some of my problems with this game and don't fret, dear listener. There are more problems to come. But maybe the biggest problem I have with this game is shooting a gun. I really cannot stress this enough. It is absolutely dreadful. Dreadful! Mm -hmm.
4: And uh, again,
0: we're talking the PC port here. Why no aim down sights? option and of course <laughs> I can say that very easily <laughs> sitting here an armchair developer etc etc but no matter the delay if I'm if I am sitting in the big boy chair I'm saying this is staying off steam until we can let the player aim their fucking gun Yeah. for those that didn't play basically when you have your gun equipped you'll see a crosshair on screen then when you press the right trigger or the left mouse button, I think it is, I played with an Xbox controller, Ben Saxon will, all in one motion, will aim down sights and shoot his gun. What the fuck? Yeah. What the actual fuck? <laughs> it
1: is it, it, it's, it's a bit of a messy one.
0: When it an really enemy is. Is, is stood completely still, it can be workable. I remember one area in particular, I think it was in the hotel where it felt like things were clicking for me. But those moments are few and far between because like if an enemy moves, even a little bit, it just totally messes up what you're trying to do. Because when you're shooting your gun, you have to think about it this way. You have to think, where is the enemy going to be in, I don't know, approximately a second after I've pressed the button? Because of the fact that Saxon has to do two movements. He has to aim his weapon and then shoot the gun. So like, if you've got moving targets, it just makes this so much more fiddly and awkward than it needs to be. Ah, oh, Jesus. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I just can't. I just can't, lads. I just can't.
2: I'm the exact same with you, Colin. this, like, because it, it, it just, it feels extremely rigid the whole time. It doesn't sound or look good at the as well like it just it, it, nothing seems to feel great about the shooting which is why I personally never ever wanted to do it I never felt like I was kind of like oh I got my silencer weapon here now and I'll just take out a few lads mm. it never even was satisfying even down to the point that you're saying where an enemy is standing still and uh, I can clearly get a headshot here but that alone
1: didn't feel good but I was always curious to know did it feel this way on mobile i think one of the one of the reasons why this port suffers so much is that uh they've done it seems to me you know not being a developer and all um it seems to me that they've done a, a lot of stuff around the game but have not like the underlying code of the game like that's why you know bodies still do what they do because you know not doing that would require changing some stuff and i think with the shooting the reason it's so weird playing it on pc is that on mobile i believe watching some of the footage that that, of people playing it was that you would tap on the enemy with your thumb or finger and a little boxy thing would kind of lock on to the enemy And then you would shoot and it would, you would shoot them successfully. So when you take that out, that sort of tap the screen ability to kind of lock on, what you're then left with is a system where, well, the gun will physically like line up. And in the case of the PC release, you you will line it up with a mouse, but the underlying mechanic of that bullet then kind of going where it needs to go We've sort of taken the training wheels off of that. So that's why it feels so rough, I guess. It wasn't meant to be like that.
0: It becomes easier the more you play, but only because you learn to work within the limitations and the poor execution. Not because you're like, oh, I'm finally getting it. It's you're you're going like, right, okay, I'll I'll try and yeah, li- live live yeah. within this this weird thing. <laughs> yeah. It is so infuriating. And even to something you said, Adam, just kind of a little sidebar on the guns. Like they feel weightless. I had a shotgun at one point and it had the kickback of a nerf gun. Like just nothing. It, there's
2: nothing to them. It's also absolutely shocking. I had like two or three moments in the game where like, you know, I was caught and look, it's, it's, it's a shootout time kind of moment. And when that happened, it was, it was just downright ugly. That's the only way I can describe it. It was just like this is a horrible moment right now. I'd rather just die and try and get past this again.
0: I mean, yeah, I, I know you're you're describing how the mobile version works, Josh, but like, again, only version out there, the PC version. I think you're kind of with me and Adam on, on the shooting, at least.
1: Oh God, oh, God, I know I take Adam's, but I mean, Adam, I think, had the right solution, which was... And so I never did any shooting. Mm, (laughs) Like that was, that was my thing. I mean, partly because yeah, it was terrible. The only thing I ever shot was the little stun gun. And I think I shot that all of about twice and went, Mm. Oh, that's horse shit. I'm Mm. not doing that. And then just completely scrapped that because also, you know, I wanted to do this stealthily. So guns to me, I was like, ah, fuck them. I'm just not going to do any guns. And I didn't, um, at, that's not me that that was my personal solution and i guess, and I guess adams but i'm not excusing the, the the rubbish shooting obviously there's you know it's 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 not good but what i will say is if you're not shooting and you're doing the stealthy bits the takedowns are classic stuff and i love that about human revolution and mankind divided it's great you go up to someone you tap the button for non lethal or you hold it for the lethal one if you want to get nasty and uh, it's brilliant it's got the same animations as Human Revolution they just sort of took them but what I really love about it, it they're brutal and they're really funny like this one where like Ben Saxon will like spin the person around like it's a cartoon and the person's like dizzy and it's like oh which direction is up but before they have anything and he just thumps them with his robo arm before they can even and that's just re- it's really funny like every single time I laugh at that one and there's another one where he just taps them on the shoulder and they turn he turns around and he absolutely lamps them and i love when something says non-lethal but you're going yeah but i mean he's just got a robotic arm though and the force of that he definitely smashed that man's skull in so you can tell me it's non-lethal but that guy's definitely dead like that's always good fun Uh, also he only has one robo arm whereas adam jensen had two robo arms but he does still have the little knifey knifey elbow thing that Adam Jensen has just in his one good arm um so there's like one uh, little animation where he like spins around gets behind them and like shoves his elbow backwards little knife comes out right into their back uh i had a lot of fun with that and what and the best thing about it is if you do a takedown on someone anywhere they will always teleport to the middle of that room yeah. because that's where they recorded the cutscene of him thumping them. So even if you do a takedown and they're like near a corner, they'll just warp to the middle of the room for the animation. And I love that. It's rubbish, but there's a, there's a sort of naff charm to that.
0: There is a naff charm. I mean, it it is rubbish as well because it's so disorienting yeah, like that you as the player go to takedown <laughs> yeah. then you're transported to the middle
2: you're like what? and then you're transported back and you're like ah it's like they're tangoing or something it's really weird at times but I <laughs> I think right how, there should be a spin-off game of Ben Saxon and Eric Bain given they're like slapping that they, they're able to do
1: like that would be mighty yeah it was Saxon and Bane the, the, the odd couple the vampire and the org together at last one of them's hooked on rising <laughs> the other one's hooked on
4: blood
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, one last thing I wanted to mention it's, it's the inventory slash shop talking about dark I think this suffers from the dark problem of just overwhelming the player so like Mm. Again, I appreciate that a lot of the issues I'm describing were things that were streamlined for those that were playing on their Android and iOS devices. But, you know, again, it's the only way to play it is on PC, blah, blah, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But Mm. another decision that was almost certainly for mobile players is the shop slash inventory. Because, again, on my iPad, I get it. On my PC, it is, it's a mess. Like, it is Mm. just a mess. So, firstly shop and the inventory are all in the same menu. And th- th- yeah, that's your first mistake. <laughs> like to explain it to people who haven't seen it, again, like I spoke f- on the, the dark episode on the two weeks ago, like you're able to see every purchaseable item from the word go. Absolutely everything. Every gun, throwable, upgrade. Uh, Josh, you mentioned 99p for the praxis points. Everything in just this one long side-scrolling menu that just seemingly goes on for ages. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's bamboozling from the start, given that it's in a menu called inventory. Like, it's all in the one. But anyway, thankfully, there's a bit of clarity between the guns you can buy and the guns you own. Ish. Like, once you've reprogrammed yourself, you can see it. However, any grenades or mines, for example, I found, like, way more difficult to read. Like, if if you take a, I don't know, whatever, it doesn't really matter, a concussion grenade, as an example, right? This is literally how it would appear in the menu, trying to describe it as best as possible, right? You have a box, and you have a grenade in the middle of the box. So instantly, your eye is drawn to the picture of the grenade. Lovely, lovely picture. Then, your eye will probably go underneath it, where you see two bigger buttons, one that says info, what the fuck is that? And then another that says buy 80 credits. Now that buy button is also in a different colour, which draws the eye even further. And then perhaps your eye will go to the right hand corner, top right hand corner of the box, where you'll actually see how many concussion grenades you have. So buying the concussion grenade, telling you how many you have, everything is in this area. Like, it might seem like a small thing to people, but this is just the best example I can give of how unintuitive the menus are in this game. Just how messy they are just to to read. Like, yeah, it is Mm. weird anyway, having this magical shop on your back. But, you know, as as you said yourself, Josh, whatever, you know, cool, sure. But that, Mm. like, that (laughs) buy X number of credits button being in a different color, I have to imagine that that's in a different colour because the mobile version had microtransactions. So they're trying to draw your eye to that section of the screen. But the PC version doesn't have mobile tr- or microtransactions. So like, I just... This game,
1: oh. it's another one of those things where it's like it, it, it's it's almost a metaphor it, it's like an augmentation it's like you can still see the the scar tissue of what it was they're not willing to actually go into and change the game they're just gonna like graft around it and what you're left with on pc you're totally right it's like it is. It's. It was bizarre. It's bizarre. It's that like it wasn't designed to be this thing. It wasn't designed to be on PC. And what we're left with is a never-ending left-to-right menu and the weirdest shooting you've ever seen. <laughs> that's just. That's about the longest short it's, of it, really. It's
0: it really is. It really is. But yeah, that is what we thought of the boom boom. So let us now discuss the most noteworthy mission or area of Deus Ex: The Fall, and this is where we each pick out an area of the game that stood out to us. I guess it would be an area or a mission specifically. Adam, why don't you start us off and tell everyone, I think I even mentioned the hotel. Tell everyone, yeah, your the, the, the area, the, the part of the game that stood out to you.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's mainly with the hotel near the end and then, I suppose, the last 30 minutes in general because I think up to that point, as I, as we just spoke about, Weapons for me, and the use of guns were something I just did not want to use. So the stealth approach was always the way I wanted to continue with the game. And here, the game just ramps up in like enemies being everywhere. It gets all intense. Everyone's alert. So I think at this point, with all the skills you've upgraded, it 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 comes into full use here. Because to be honest, the game up to this point, it's pretty. It's it's A little bit of a slow burn all the way, like, I think. Mm. I think it's very kind of, like, it's pretty relaxed, you know, for the most part. But Mm. this last, I suppose, the third act, I suppose, is just, like, it fully goes. Mm. However, I had a situation regarding the final kind of area, let's say. And in this area, you have to get to the helipad. And the helipad is obviously on the roof. And, at like, I really think now, like, it was... When you're talking about the, what's it called, the, the, the cloaking mechanic, whatever, you were saying, Josh, yes, using that and just bombing on ahead, you can do that, mm. right? But mm-hmm. I, in this area, there is a giant spider bot and a load of enemies and there's loads of area to kind of like, like hide behind and all that jazz. And you can see the helipad in front. And I am just kind of like, oh, okay, so I suppose, look. Cloak, cloak mechanic I guess and just bolted and I get, got there and nothing's happening and I'm just there going um, hello where's the helicopter gone what's what's the story and then there I am out in the open for everyone to see and shit hits the fan bam bam bang, bang dead I was like okay can't do that fair enough so next time round I just said, OK, I'll use the cloaking thing for whatever way. Maybe I don't know what happened there. Maybe it was just another glitch. Stealthed my way through. Bit of a struggle. Bit of a struggle um, to get there. But eventually got through it and got on the helipad again. Nothing. And I was like, what is going on? Now, you can tell me if this is the case, right? But I don't remember or I don't see the
1: game do, saying this, that you have to basically kill or deactivate this spider bot no so i did exactly the same thing that you did i ran through cloaks onto the helipad and thought what the fuck is going on and the objective says something kind of vague it's just like meet uh alex uh yeah alex at the at the at the helipad thing and i i just i googled it and uh people were like yeah you've got to get rid of all the enemies now in the cutscene where you talk to Alex, she does say, oh, uh, that rooftop's a bit hot. Like, you like, I, I can't land, like, there's a load of fucking dudes there and I can't land this VTOL there, so you take care of business. But it doesn't actually, if you weren't, like, on that and going, oh, yeah, I've definitely got to, like, it didn't actually appear in the objectives thing, so I could totally, like, I oh, had to Google it, so you're not wrong there. When
2: we were writing our notes here, Josh, you were explaining about how... In this situation, that you can deactivate the the spider bot, mm. I did not know that. So I was going through this moment, and I was like, "This is this is this is terrible." Because here I am trying to be super stealth, but it wants me to just cause chaos. And like, I think there's a, the bones of maybe five, six enemies, and then this machine. Yeah, I'm just like going given the like under the circumstance of like this this fucking appalling shooting that's going on throughout the game <laughs> i do not want this to happen no the thing about it is and this is where i just went i cannot fucking believe this the the computer that you can use to deactivate this the, the spider is over if you're facing heli it's over to the right am i correct in saying that you are yeah so it's over to the right behind like it's kind of on these boxes and it's just a bit there right No. Hmm. Why in God's name, when, when the when the objective is saying, uh, it's a smack bang center of the helipad and it's going, you must go here. It doesn't tell you to kill the spider bot and it does not tell you that you can deactivate it over to the right there because there is only one way onto the helipad and that is straight bang in the center where the spider bot is standing and just guarding and patrolling around the place. Mm. So mm. in my head, I'm like kind of going, oh, like, what's the story? So I ended up creating a shootout Behind the boxes, throwing a load of mines. For some reason, in where the the computer is, <laughs> no enemy seems to come near me. Like I, they're just shooting at me, but I'm hiding behind the boxes. I'm throwing mines or uh, throwing bombs and grenades, whatever. Hoping for the best here. No real strategy at, 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 at going on. I'm just causing havoc. And here we have bang deactivated. Everyone's gone so it's ready to get go on right. But the moment that that happened, I then went, the fuck is this computer? And I clicked on it and there (laughs) it was. The information of telling me that this is how I could have stopped that fucking thing and not done all that chaos there. I thought it was, it wasn't very clear and it was, it wasn't satisfying. It just wasn't a satisfying conclusion. And yeah, I just, I just thought it was a really, really terrible end to the game. For what was, kind of after picking itself up for,
1: about a half an hour, I was a bit like, oh, I'm kind of liking. There's a bit of fun to be had here, you know? I did exactly the same thing you did. I cloaked, ran to the helipad, wondered what was going on, Googled it, thought, oh, actually, i got I got to deal with everyone out here. Mm. And I, so I ate my cereal bars, got my neutral grain mm. on, got cloaked, got thumping guys. There's about six of them, you're right. I actually thought that was really cool because I like like the it's sort of like predator section on Batman or something, Uh, you know, it's Mm. like, Oh, you got to kill six dudes. They're all walking around. You got to do it so that each one doesn't see the last one sort of thing. I sort of did that. And then, uh, I, like, had done a complete stealth run-through, so hadn't upgraded all my shit, and I started getting flashbacks. Like, if you guys remember, like, one of the big fucking criticisms of Human Revolution was, like, oh, the boss fights are, yeah. are, are crazy. Like, that, that it was actually outsourced to a different studio to do the boss fights because they didn't have time, and that studio was just, like... Well, these are just bosses you've got to kill with guns and stuff, and you know it was mm-hmm. like, well, what if, what if I've not put any points in that? So I started getting flashbacks to that, thinking, oh no, they fucked it again. Um, they actually hadn't though, because I and I should, I never did the computer. It's like it's there, and if you ha- and I hacked the computer, and then found out that actually I hadn't put the, my upgrades in the thing that lets you turn robots and turrets off. So what I did. In the, uh, like, campaign, there's just, like, um, mines that you find. You can deactivate them, the enemies l- set them, and if you deactivate them, you can collect them. So I just had, like, a bunch of mines in my inventory that I never used, and I had a really nice moment where, like... I looked at the little spider bot thing that was walking up and down, sort of cloaked myself and just chucked down, I think about like seven or eight mines, got back behind my cover. Little fucker comes over, bang, just like one explosion, but like seven Mm. mines worth. And he's just dead in one. And I was just like... That's classic Deus Ex and I'm sort of I love that. Like there was a classic thing on the original Deus Ex where you could set a bunch of mines in a particular doorway before a boss a boss cutscene triggered, and in the cutscene, because they were rendered in engine, the boss would walk in and immediately blow up and it would just bypass the cutscene. It was it almost like reminded me of that. Like it's like a classic, like, ah, oh, I figured out a way to just do that, and, and then last, the last thing that happened was I saw the saw the computer and sort of realised, oh, and actually, there's a third way of doing <laughs> it. So, yeah, it's kind of weird. It
2: is real. It, it is really bullshit that
1: like you cannot
2: beat that end part in a stealth manner. I think that is. Like, I understand that it makes no sense if you, because the thing is just right by the helipad. You mean
0: it, a, a non-violent manner rather than a ste- y- Yes,
2: a non-violent manner, yes. You, you
0: can stealth past and find the laptop and press the button and blah, yeah.
1: My thing was just like, yeah, you, you can stealthily thump people, but there's no actual full-on avoidance here. So that, so that is that is a fair uh, comment, I think, for, for like Deus Ex. It's like, usually there is complete avoidance, and in this section there actually isn't. But... I did find, uh, you know, a load of the takedowns, munching a load of Nutri-Grain. It, it was, it, it, yeah, I, I, I sort of thought, oh, that was a nice moment. Something
0: you mentioned there, Josh, about uh, the mines and, you know, going like, oh, this feels Deus Xy, basically. Yeah. The mission I wanted <laughs> yeah. to point out was a side quest <laughs> called Ratting Out, and I had the exact same feeling from this. It kind of reminded me that Deus Ex the Fall was a Deus Ex game at a time when I kind of needed that reminder. So what happens is you speak to a character called Camilla Cardosa, who is the doctor and manager of the limb clinic in Panama City, which is just kind of where you go for augmentations and t- typically speaking in a, a Deus Ex game. And you exit the limb clinic and then you're forced into a conversation with a cop. It, it just, there's no way out of it. You have to have it. And after some small talk, the cop asks you about looking into who he thinks is like the kingpin of the illegal rising drug racket, who is Dr. Alvarez Arahu. I, I, can't, I can't remember exactly how it's was pronounced, or something like that. I apologise if my pronunciation is incorrect. But this dodgy doctor is your first point of contact in Panama. And relatively speaking, he's been pretty good to you. So the cop can ask you, or will ask you, to investigate the doctor and look for a list of customers. And if you break into a safe in the doctor's uh, surgery, you'll find this list. So you can then go back to the cop with that if you like. But I remembered I was playing a Deus Ex game at this point. So I went, hmm, what if? Because I, I hacked the doctor safe. I, I had what the cop wanted. And I was like, no, I'm going to talk to the doctor. So I spoke to the doctor and then I was able to tell him, listen, the cops are actually investigating you. And he said, oh, Jesus, really? All right. Well, look, I'm going to head away then because I don't want that heat. Uh, here's a praxis point as a little reward, Ben. And I said, "Oh, brilliant! Cheers, Doc." <laughs> and like the the game didn't tell me to chat to the doctor, it importantly allowed me to talk to the doctor. And I I suppose it stood out as a, a glimpse of what this game could have been. It's it's that immersive sim Deus
1: sexness, really. Loveliness, yeah, yeah, and 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 it and it worked in that, and it- It might not have come together in that way, but it happened to come together for you kind of organically. And it just makes you feel great. I know. Just the main hub
0: of Panama itself made you feel great, Josh. Oh, man.
1: Yeah, I just fucking love Deus Ex. And especially this era of Deus Ex, when they're doing the whole, everything's yellow, there's a load of bloody piss on the camera lens. Like, it just, (laughs) it's got this nice, like, triangles everywhere going on. And I have to. I like. I love the like hubs. Like they probably just do the best hubs. Uh, uh the the guys. Uh, I Montreal. Fair play. J- just doing hubs like nobody's business. They also did um, uh, the one that Crystal Dynamics couldn't do because it was doing the Avengers. They did Shadow of the Tomb Raider, the last of the Lara Croft recent thingies. That also had amazing hubs. This game like panama city that it's brilliant because like the whole yellow vibe it's it really suits the hot like it feels really arid and like humid and dry like it's just sort of you get to that like there's a little beach boardwalk thing you look out of the ocean it looks like the sun's all low in the sky amazing visuals for for a mobile game like i say this is like ps2 quality but with a bit of extra like sexy sauce on top like you know there are ps2 games that look worse than this yeah like
0: i i think this is maybe how we remember ps2 games rather than what ps2 games actually look like if you get what i mean
1: yeah yeah for sure for sure for sure but yeah it it looks amazing for, for for what would have been, you know, mobile phones and iPads. It really keeps up that art direction that you got in human revolution. And they which they kind of scale back a little bit for Mankind Divided. There was like bits in the daytime there. It's a really nice little immersive sim chunk. Obviously, much smaller than 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 the hubs that you find in the main Deus Ex games, but with plenty of the sort of signatures, lots of vents to go in, lots of little pocket sex, pocket secretaries to to find and and read people's passwords and their little little private stories and stuff. Um, very, uh, the mark of a good hub for me is like when you start to just know the place and not always look at the map, because also this game. Does it have a mini-map? Because human, human Revolution just didn't. Like, you just had to look at the map screen. It doesn't
0: have a mini-map. It has a little thing in the corner that you you can see when enemies pop up and there are cones of vision.
1: Oh, yes, 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 yes. So the good thing about this hub was I started to sort of know, oh, like, I'm going to run over there because I know that's where the boardwalk is and that's where this is. It just, it fit together. Okay. Uh, and, and there was a really nice sort of contrast between... Uh, The really nice glitzy kind of downtown bit where there's that nightclub and that amazing elevated train with like the skyscrapers in the background. And then you go to the slums and it's all like broken down bits of wood and, and like broken windows and shit. And the like speed with which you get from one place to the other just it works in terms of what the story's doing, which we'll, we'll get to shortly, but it just thematically ties in there. And I just think to myself, like, uh, if they'd have done like Deus Ex the Fall parts two and three, I would absolutely be digging that if they if they did. Yeah, we're doing Canberra in the next game. You know, we're doing a little thing in Australia and then whatever else. Like, give me, give me more top stuff.
0: So yeah, that is what we thought of the boom boom of Deus Ex The Fall as well as the areas and missions that stood out to us. So we're going to take a quick little break and then we will be back to talk about the story and then just anything else that we want to add at the end. So yeah, we'll be back right after this. All right then, let us chat about the narrative of Ben Saxon and Deus Ex The Fall. And I wanted to start us off by saying I quite like the story in this. And look, I'm a big fan of the Deus Ex style high level conspiracy anyway. But The Fall is, I, you know, I, I, of course it is this, but like it is so laser focused. And yeah, of course, again, yeah, of course it is, because it's episode one of a multi-episode arc that <laughs> we don't get to see. But before we get into that, I did want to give them their flowers just for what is Deus Ex The Fall. Like, I can't talk about what I don't know and what I haven't played. Uh, like, having this megacorp filter its cheaper drug into the slums of Panama in order to get the port test run the the, the megacorpse pharmaceuticals and then dumping the corpses of anyone that dies. Oh man, just mm. hook that shit up to Colin veins. I <laughs> love that stuff. Not necessarily the practice of the corporation, I should say, no. but the intriguing tale that they weave with this premise. And like on top of that, you have Ben Saxon's old friend who he thought was dead, effectively coming back to life. And look, don't get me wrong as I said during the recap earlier, like the moment does not land whatsoever. Uh, Because, you know, you're going like, I don't know who this guy is. He just briefly mentioned him uh, at the start. But like, perhaps it would have been a thing over a three to five episode arc. I could see how it would be something.
1: yeah. But there's just
0: real clarity to the plot. Like dodgy drugs, bad capitalism, army man off the grid. As I say, I can just, I can totally get on board. And look, how can you critique a story that's like, that's literally unfinished? That is literally (laughs) (laughs) unfinished. Like at the end, as we said, Ben Saxon and his new friend, Alex Vega, uh, they fly off from that helipad. Eventually they fly off to Canberra in Australia to the headquarters of the company that produces this illegal drug. But you as the player, you never see that. You don't know what happens. It is a cliffhanger without any resolution. And I I think you even were going to mention this, Josh. Yeah. What happened is explored to some degree in both Deus Ex Mankind Divided, the most recent game of the series that we've spoken about, as well as a novella called Deus Ex Hardline. But, like, none of that is in Deus Ex The Fall. In The Fall, the two people fly off to Australia and then it's you know all we get is to be continued, and that's it.
1: And that's rough. That is rough uh, because I agree with you a hundred percent. You people would find out in twenty sixteen that like Alex Vega is like a fairly big character in Mankind Divided, and <laughs> and she and she looks physically very different <laughs> to how she looked only two years before, but uh, she fills you in on like. A lot of the stuff, uh, in, in like it's like a kind of apology thing for like hardcore uh Deus Ex fans, I guess. But she mentions what happened, uh, with Saxon and Zapphire and stuff, and like what she did after that. So they would get that resolution, but you're right, like at this time, uh, yeah, and of course, they'd never see the resolution, they just hear about it. But one of the stuff I w- I would say is like ultimately. I don't really care about what's actually going on in Deus Ex because what's actually going on in Deus Ex is fucking mental. It's like Assassin's Creed. It's like, well, it's not aliens and gods and that, but it is like... Literally the Illuminati. That stuff's not really the interesting thing. But the the thing that is interesting is the ground level stuff. And it was the same in Human Revolution. It's like corporate chicanery and espionage mm-hmm. and industrial yep. sabotage. And that is fucking cool. And there's not enough of that in games. It's like yeah, sneak into the thing because they wanted our prototype typhoon weapon. It's a DoD contract. And oh, this pharmaceutical company's fucking testing all their stuff. You know, in the in the in the slums of Panama City. Like it's really fucked up. It's a non-regulated Neuropazine. Like I'm all there for the, for the sort of of day to day plot, the overarching stuff, not so much. And it's, it's kind of ironic that this thing, you know, this particular thing in the fall is like, well, there was no overarching thing in in part because they never made any more. So all we have now is the plot that we get in Panama city. And I just think it's pretty, I agree with you. I just think it's pretty cool. It's just a neat, very, very focused slice of like, corporate intrigue for two two three hours and fair play to that i know one thing you did want to mention josh was
0: the tyrants which is yeah the the baddie group in uh deus ex the fall and also the bosses that as you made reference to earlier in the episode the bosses from deus ex human revolution
1: yeah i I thought it was pretty cool because you don't really they're not really developed in in human revolution they're just the villains they show up at Seraph industries and they fuck shit up and they um batter adam jensen to a pulp so he has to get all his orgs uh and it, it's it's kind of a little bit of uh they scuff the edges a little bit to make this work because it's like well the people it was like barrett Jaren, Amir, and i forget the woman's name as she can like cloak and stuff Ben Saxon wasn't part of the tyrants then. So they did the Seraph Industries thing and then they recruited Ben Saxon. So he was not responsible. So it's almost like the designers are going, look, Ben Saxon didn't didn't attack Seraph Industries. So you could, you're still allowed to like him sort of thing. But I did think it's just a cool little bit of world building. You kind of get to see enemies that were fairly uninteresting in Human Revolution, at least given a little bit of juice here. It's like they're actually on your your team, at least at the beginning of the fall anyway. Mm-hmm. You sort of feel like, you know oh, they're, they're talking about Operation Rainbird and that Jaron Namir's like being nice to you because he's recruited you and stuff. It's just a nice little bit of like, oh, there's, there's no ultimate good or bad in Deus Ex. Like it's, it's all shades of grey and you just happen to be one of the tyrants this time. So like, yeah, that's kind of cool.
0: There is a big problem with that though, Josh, isn't there? And that problem is that Ben Saxon is boring, (laughs) so boring. Mm -hmm. He is video game man. Yes, he is. Trademark sign, copyright sign, registered sign. As I said, I like the premise, but just he is so boring. (laughs) I like, yeah, a, a large problem for this character is that Saxon is the protagonist in the lesser version of a better game with a similar protagonist. The game being Human Revolution, the protagonist being Adam Jensen. Saxon is similar to Jensen. Saxon has the gravelly voice. He has the cool boy, Oakley style Mm. sunglasses. Yeah. He has the ability to batter people, but he's second. Yeah. So whatever about (laughs) Jensen, that's a chat for our Human Revolution episode. Saxon is just this ball of absolute nothingness. He's rubbish. And in fairness, I don't put that on any one person It is a combination. It is writing. It is performance. It is direction. It is absolutely everything. Ben Saxon is just a boring, boring (laughs) man. And to illustrate his boringness, I have a clip of Ben Saxon talking to his helper friend, Anna Kelso. And I mean, in fairness, Kelso isn't exactly lighting up the screen either. So this is just before Saxon heads to Panama City to get some neuropazine which the two have run out of uh, also you'll hear how these two characters voices sound in the final mix of the game's audio I have no idea why Kelso was so much quieter I just, it, I just, I don't know why but yeah, take a listen to this
3: I'm going to see a contact in Panama City the maglev train leaves in an hour you're going out there? I should come with you no, it's too risky for us to go out together you stay here. Stay safe. This place is off the grid. No one knows about it. You know me. I'm not exactly good at doing nothing. Then don't. you still got contacts you trust, right? Use them. See what you can dig up about Namir and the tyrants. And what about you? Who's gonna keep you safe if I'm not around? Don't worry. I'll keep a low profile, be discreet, and only use force when necessary. Alright, Ben. Stay in contact on the infolink. Tell me what you see out there. Any clues you find. I'll do the same from this end. And promise me one thing. Name it. Don't get yourself killed. We've only got each other now. Like, even
0: that line just reminds me of Team America.
4: Mm. Promise me you'll (laughs) never die.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, that's. Oh, can I. I just got to say two things about Ben Saxon that might have uh, passed people by. Number one and this comes because we were talking about Dark last week, and I can't remember why. Oh, yes, I can, because the protagonist of Dark looks like Channing Tatum, but only on the front cover of the game. Mental, <laughs> right? But And and I also mentioned the woman out of the order, where they just stole Lena Headey's likeness. Brilliant. Uh, in this, uh, Ben Saxon just looks like Jean Reno. And I, <laughs> I love it when they just throw their hands in the air, and they go, yeah, we've got a whole art, art department, but do you just want to sort of... Just just take Jean Reno, he's got a great face, hasn't he? Yeah, let's just do that. No, point number two, I don't know if you guys noticed, Ben Saxon, one of the most outrageous pairs of trousers I've ever seen in a video game full stop and <laughs> highly, highly insane for someone who's trying to be a stealth operative. Bright golden foil trousers, skin tight. Outrageous! Did you guys notice this? I suppose it's in first, this in first person, so you might not have. Whenever you go to cover, he's got trousers like like I don't know what Daft Punk or something. They are luminous, reflective gold, and they look skin tight. And I'm, and that's probably the best thing you can say about Ben Saxon. I think. <laughs>
0: Oh, I couldn't agree more. Adam Carroll, do you have any thoughts or opinions on Ben Saxon or the story?
2: This is why I was left last, because no, I don't. I just didn't care. Just, it really just bored me. Talking about vocal performances, one thing I wanted to slip
0: in under the door very quickly was, and this is... It's kind of something that's story adjacent, really. I guess I'm doing what I did in our Commandos episode, but I really wanted to let the listener hear the VO you you hear during the tutorial. And thing is, like a lot of the fall, it is very inconsistent. Sometimes the tutorial VO is I don't know. It's read like normal. And sometimes it sounds like, you know, AI, it's all the rage. It's in, every, it's in every news story all the time. Like this sounds so robotic and it sounds like an AI generated this in 2023 and it's, you know, being shared in a clip on Twitter. Just t- take a listen to this and how, yeah, it just sounds like... Sp- some AI-generated thing. You can go into cover by getting near a cover object and
4: using the right mouse button. While in cover, you can move left and right using the A and D keys.
0: It doesn't always (laughs) sound like that. Sometimes it is just, you know, you can move to cover by moving... Like, whereas that is so robotic.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and they do a thing. I do remember that in the other game like human revolution they've got the sort of red dead redemption 2 sexy kind of you know when right. red dead redemption does those trailers where the woman takes you through the features of the game she's like in red dead redemption 2 <laughs> you can reload it you know she talks about all the de- they sort of have that in human revolution like she talks like about going into stealth and it's quite sort of like seductive and stuff in this yeah like an answer machine just really weird It's so all weird So weird.
0: But yeah, that is what we thought of the story of Deus Ex The Fall. And this is typically the part of the show where we just mop the final few things up, a little miscellaneous section for us to mention any final few points on the game. And Adam Carroll, I know you wanted to talk about the score of Deus Ex The Fall. Yeah,
2: like it's nothing major to like, report, but like I do think I am just a sucker for that kind of like pulsy kinda sci fi synth wave stuff. And I I I think it's it's nothing different from what the other DSX games have because it's the same composer. It's Michael McKenzie's name and he's done like he's done apparently the DSX games, he's done like Splinter Cell, Borderlands three. Yeah, he did double agent and stuff. I think it just adds a great atmosphere to the thing like you know it just just really does it's just one of those things that kind of like there's never really a track that I can say like oh that moment but like it Mm. it works very well
0: it really stands out like I do think it's you know, not to be a broken record. But yeah, I, I think Human Revolution is the, the music in that. It's obviously very similar, yeah. but I do think it's also better. But but I, I do have one clip. I guess this is the, the main menu. This is the, the main theme of the game uh, for the people at home to take a listen to. So yeah, as Adam said, very pulsy, very atmospheric, very synthy. So yeah, take a listen to this.
2: Like, it, it, it's, it, it's quite moving,
1: Yeah, the cards that are in it and mm. stuff, you know. It's weird, because it sort of manages to be both serious and chilled out. Yeah. It, <laughs> I, just, yeah. I just don't know how to make myself any clearer than that. It's like, yeah, it's, you get the sense that big shit's going on, but also you're just sort of vibing, and it's fine.
0: <laughs> Josh, you wanted to talk about... I guess the the fact that this isn't even the best mobile Deus Ex game, and I know we I I suppose we we have kind of spoken about this already a little
1: bit yeah it's, those Go games that that uh, Square Enix did like Lara Croft Go, Hitman Go, and Deus Ex Go are like cracking games. They're just they're just brilliant. Like especially the Lara Croft one. Um, just. Some of the best work that they've that they've ever done, really. I I think they're like top top tier, um, and it's funny because Deus Ex Go is like the weakest of those games, but it's still better than this game. I don't th- like it. But that game is just sort of a bit like a kind of version of the hacking mini game, except you move around a little Adam Jensen and everything's made out of like triangles. Uh, but it's re- it's just really funny. It's like whenever if you said to me before we did this podcast, oh I remember the Deus Ex mobile game. I'd just be like, yeah, Deus Ex Go. It was great. D- like, don't even <laughs> don't even talk about the full On the
0: topic of it being, you know, uh, on, on mobile and you thinking Deus Ex Go is the only Deus Ex game on mobile. Well, that's, yeah, part of that is down to the fact that this game is no longer av- available on mobile. You cannot buy it on the Google Play Store, as you said, or the iOS App Store. And that is shit. Because... If it was possible to play it for this podcast on one of those platforms, I probably would have, mm. because it that is the kind of it is the original platform. It's you know it was clearly ported to PC, as We've said numerous times, game preservation is very important. Yeah, and whilst you can still play Deus Ex: The Fall, we just did, we've just spoken about it for a few <laughs> hours. It's a bit upsetting that you can't play it in its original form, and I, I guess. That's the idea of a di- digital storefronts. Like, if they want, somebody can take something away like that, and
1: it's gone. And it's even worse. I mean. Preservation is a problem in the industry anyway, but it does seem to be even worse on mobile. Yeah, I mean, there was that thing uh, a few months back about like the original Angry Birds as well as like now gone. Right, like it, I think it's yeah. it's even worse on mobile than it is. It's it's a concern for every platform, but. Yeah, I think mobile's even more mercenary. They'll just pull it if it's not making the people aren't spending 99p on that praxis. Mm-hmm. Indeed. <laughs> the other thing that I just briefly wanted to mention, um, this game has shit font. It does,
0: you're right. Yes, it does. <laughs> like, and I know that sounds
1: bonkers, but it's a s it's sci-fi with a lot of sexy synth going on from Michael McCann. Can we get some like sexy sci-fi font is ariel bold not good enough for you (laughs) john it's mad like and it goes what's weird is right it goes with the ai lady like the way she reads out the stuff is like how that font sounds in my head it's just really weird but it's like the font that you'd find on like a laminated emergency leaflet on an airplane It's just really boring, really easy to read font that just looks, it looks cheap. It doesn't look right. It looks like someone whacked it out in like a Word document and they just went, yeah, put (laughs) put that up. Uh, So anyway, yeah, that's where I am. Bad font.
0: That's very fair. So that is what we thought of Deus Ex The Fall. So we are going to take a quick little break. And then we will be back to give you our final verdict on the game, but not before a little game of Who Am I? Every episode of the Stealth Boom Boom podcast sees me test the gaming knowledge of my co hosts with a simple game I like to call Who. Am I? I give five clues to the identity of a video game character and you, Josh Wise, and you, Adam Carroll, must give me the correct answer. All you have to do is say stop and then give me said answer. Given the nature of this podcast, the video game character in question will be from a stealth slash stealthy video game. And I will not listen to any complaints from either participants if they have a problem with the character I have chosen. I will read the clues uh, once and once only during play unless we reach the fifth clue and there is no winner. Then and only then will I repeat all five clues. So listen up and listen up good. Let us play Who Am I? Clue number one. My first appearance in a video game was in... Two thousand and two twenty zero two. Stop, Josh Wise,
1: Sam Fisher from Splinter Cell.
4: Incorrect. Oh, oh,
1: oh. oh man. Ooh, spicy. <laughs>
0: <sighs> Clue number two I may be the star, but I couldn't do this. Without my very old friends. Clue number three. It's not what I typically do, but every now and then I like to hop behind the wheel and have a race.
1: A racing stealth. A racing stealthamadoo.
0: Clue number four. Speaking of things I don't normally do, in 2012 I decided to get into a few bus stops with some other folk. It was a
2: one-time thing. Stop. Adam Carroll. Murray from Sly Cooper.
4: Incorrect. Oh, my God.
0: Uh, Stop. Josh Wise.
1: Sly from Sly Cooper.
3: And
0: this week's winner
1: is Josh Wise. (laughs) I hate everything. That's terrible. (laughs) Oh God! That's brutal. That is brutal. But I, I, I did just think. Wait, why is he gone with? Why is he gone
4: with Murray?
2: Why did, why did you go with Murray? I'd hop behind the wheel and have a race. Who drives
0: the car and sleigh Um, who races and sleigh Oh, it is Murray, actually, isn't it? Yes. Oh, sorry, adam
1: Oh shit! That's controversy. That. That is controversial. You are
0: right. He does, doesn't he? Because I
2: thought when you take control... Murray does the driving race track moments.
0: You're right.
1: Brutal. You are right.
2: (laughs) That is... I'll go through the clues first
0: I'll go through the clues Clue number one My first appearance in video games In 2002 Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus Or Sly Raccoon Outside North America Clue number two I may be the star uh, But I couldn't do this Without my very old friends Of course His boys Murray and Bentley Who he's known Since uh, they grew up In an orphanage together Clue number three It's not what I typically do But every now and then I like to hop behind the wheel And have a race Now I'm referring to The minigame one of which, and probably the most frequent, is the racing one where you're in a van. But, Adam Carroll, you are correct. It- you're controlling but it is still Murray and we'll get back to that clue number four speaking of things I don't normally do in 2012 I decided to get into a few bust ups with some other folks it was a one time thing I'm of course referring to PlayStation All Stars um, Battle Royale which yeah there there never was a sequel and clue number five would have been I should probably tell you what I actually do shouldn't I I'm not sure safe opener is necessarily an occupation but I guess that basically sums up my thieving
5: uh-huh. Yes,
0: it was Sly Cooper. However, you are correct, Adam Carl. I
1: made a little boo-boo there. <laughs> but you won't be hearing any arguments. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: where do we go from here?
1: Well, there are other there clues. There are other
0: clues which, which point to Sly as well. Do you know what? If you are okay with this, Josh, on the official leaderboards... Uh, which of course I am tracking I would like to give you both a point. Is that, is that okay? Is everyone all right yeah, with that?
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't yeah. mind. Yeah, yeah, go yeah. Go. Okay, Ev- everybody bad. wins, so <laughs> nobody wins. Good. Listen to that. What a turn
0: of events. Congratulations, everybody. <laughs> See, a happy ending for all. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that is a very controversial edition of Who Am I wrapped up for this episode of Stealth Boom Boom. So we are going to take a quick little break and then we will be back with our verdict on Deus Ex: The Fall. <music> Alright then, time to begin wrapping this puppy up and give you our verdict on Deus Ex: The Fall. But not before I give you some quotes from critics who reviewed Deus Ex: The Fall when it came out. And I have varying reviews. I have some PC reviews and I have some reviews of the iOS version so Craig Pearson reviewed the PC version for IGN giving it 3 out of 10. And Pearson said, quote, Beneath the struggle with terrible controls and bugs, there are vents to sneak through, email to hack, and people to confuse. It's something that could shine on the PC if any sort of care was taken, but it's not been gently coaxed into the shape of a PC game. It's been stretched instead of expanded and pulled to the brink of tearing itself apart. Daniel Riendu of Polygon reviewed the iOS version and gave that uh, 7.5 out of 10. Rendu said quote Deus Ex the fall's atmosphere and complexity compensate for any small missteps the fall made me feel like an augmented badass sifting through a dark fascinating mess of a world and finding surprise that all was not what it first appeared to be it's like sci-fi comfort food and a perfect excuse to spend a little more time in the shadows Andy Kelly a PC Gamer gave the game 40 out of 100 reviewed it on PC obviously and Kelly said quote don't be fooled by the black and gold Screenshots And the familiar interface This is not The Deus Ex You know and love It's a bad cover version And truly One of the worst PC ports I've played in some time And I've played Deadly Premonition I definitely Didn't ask for this (laughs) Mike Minotti Of GamesBeat Reviewed the iOS version And gave it 82 out of 100 And said I'm shocked The fall works Bringing an experience as complicated as Deus Ex is to a touchscreen should have been a mess, but I was easily sneaking, hacking and headshotting my way through the short campaign. I don't know if I'm ready to call myself a mobile gaming convert, but this is definitely one of the deeper experiences I've had on an iOS platform. And finally, Daniel Hines of GameSpot reviewed the PC version, gave it 4 out of 10 and said, quote, The Fall is a game that captures the look and feel of Human Revolution, but is so unpolished and so massively reduced in scope that it's hard to immerse yourself in the world. But none of those opinions matter, all right? The only opinions that matter are Columns, Josh's, and Adams as we bestow badges of approval or disapproval on Deus Ex The Fall. So how this works is each of us will give The Fall a rating and that rating is either a pass, a play or... Or an espionage explosion. A pass, we don't think you should play this game. A play, we think you should play this game. Or an espionage ex- explosion, we really think you should play this game. One, two, three. All rationale for ratings is entirely up to whomever is bestowing the badge of approval slash disapproval. We change the order of badge bestowers on each episode, of course. And this week, the order is as follows. It is Column, Adam and Josh. So... Let me start this off. I mean, look, it's probably no secret. You've heard me go on for the last few hours about how I didn't like a lot of this game. <laughs> and perhaps that's because I played this on the PC. Because as I said, I did play it on iOS and I remember enjoying it, relatively speaking, at the time. And this is very much a game made for iOS that they... They got it onto PC, but like, the, yeah, in my estimation, more things needed to change if you wanted this PC port to work and ultimately it doesn't, uh, which, yeah, which leads me to
2: a pass. Okay. I'm going to say, straight away, it's a pass for me. I think I would prefer to play this on mobile. There you have it, column. I've said it. I would prefer to play the game on mobile. Um, It just like, do you know, there's some parts of it that I would have probably gone, Jesus, this does look pretty mad for mobile, I guess. But um, overall, just I I didn't really have a whole pile of fun with the game. And it wouldn't make me not play the other titles in the series. No way whatsoever. Like, I really would like to eventually get around to revolution and mankind divided i think it is um but as it stands to fall is uh, a pass for me definitely yeah.
1: And what say you josh wise is it a clean sweep no no i'm gonna say play um oh. yeah i i agree with what's been said here today but for me I do love a bit of Deus Ex. I think the plot is decent. I think if you like Deus Ex, you should, de- especially if you like the Adam Jensen stuff, you should definitely give this a whirl. Um, plot's decent. I would say that like the, the mood and the vibe is decent. Panama City is a lovely little hub. But if you like your stealth and not so much your boom boom, this is like a better time. Like, if you just say, well, I just won't use the guns then. And uh, that's, like, not a great solution because the whole thing with Deus Ex is you can do both. If you kind of say to yourself, all right, well, they fucked this particular one when it comes to the shooting on PC, so I'm just going to do the stealth. It's perfectly fine, decent line-of-sight stealth with a, an interesting array of powers. Um, And I personally played on the steam deck, which is kind of cool. Cause you actually do just have a touchscreen that you can use in the menus. And it made a lot of that stuff. Like I read that people had difficulty registering clicks on a mouse and stuff. I didn't really have that. I, I know that not everyone can play on a steam deck and I'm not suggesting that's like a magic cure all just the experience I had, um, wasn't as unbelievably terrible, uh, as lots of people. So yeah, it's not great. But there's enough here, especially if you like Deus Ex, to give it a whirl. And that is what we thought of Deus Ex
0: The Fall. So put Ben Saxon to the back of your minds. (laughs) You may think about him on a different occasion, but not from now and for the next two weeks, because we need to focus on what we're going to be talking about for the next episode of Stealth Boom Boom. Because on the next episode, we are going to be looking at a game that Greg Kasavin of GameSpot, uh about he said about this game he said it quote offers a slick and rewardingly suspenseful gameplay experience that's sometimes reduced to frustrating bouts of trial and error Tom Hamm of Gamespy said, even though the game is extremely linear with its scripted cinematics, scripted missions and scripted outcomes, it still manages to deliver a suspense-filled gaming experience. And Aaron Boulding of IGN said, this is the kind of game I imagined when I used to dream about the experiences next generation consoles were going to give us. And what next generation consoles are we talking about? Well, we're hopping in the time machine all the way back to late 2002 for the next episode of Stealth Boom Boom as we're going to be tackling the first game in another series that will be popping up a lot in future episodes of this podcast. Yes on the next episode of Stealth Boom Boom we're going to be discussing, reviewing, dissecting Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell.
4: You have the right to freedom of speech. You have the right to freedom of worship. You have the right to freedom from want. And you have the right to freedom from fear. I alone have the fifth freedom. The right to do whatever it takes to ensure that your four freedoms are protected and preserved. I alone have full authority to spy, steal, destroy. And assassinate in order to protect America and her freedoms I alone may go above the law to protect the law I commit brutality to prevent brutality I may kill to protect the lives of many I seek not to derive pleasure by inflicting violence on others but rather to dissuade enemies of our nation I work alone captured or compromised my country and president will and must disavow any knowledge of my existence and of the fifth freedom this i understand i'm sam fisher i'm a splinter cell
0: It's a biggie. It is a biggie. (laughs) And one you mentioned, Josh, in Who Am I, in fact. Uh, Yes, Splinter Cell, as I like to do, lads, just get a little bit of a teaser as to your history with this game. Adam Carroll, I think you told us before that you, I think on the first episode, you mentioned that you bought this game on a a break. Was it a lunch break from school?
2: A lunch break, went down with a buddy. We got a little lunch roll. I spent 60 hour on the lovely. game. I sat down. It was a lovely sunny day. I was eating my roll. It was a good roll.
0: Well, do you know what? You can really go into the deliciousness of the roll on uh, the episode. That's something to look forward to. That's enough of a teaser for the people at home. You know, i leave them wanting more. Josh Wise, what is your history with Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell? I
1: bloody love it. I think it's, I think the original Splinter Cell trilogy of Splinter Cell, Pandora Tomorrow, and Chaos Theory is one of the best trilogies that we have in, in probably just in games. I think it's terrific stuff.
0: Okay, okay. Well, we'll see if it holds,
1: holds up, Josh. It if- might be a pile of shit now. Yeah.
4: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Splinter Cell, I played it, I rented it, I was rubbish, and also... I was a Metal Gear Solid fan, so fuck you, Sam Fisher. More on that <laughs> in two weeks' time on Stealth Boom Boom. But yeah, that just about does it for this edition of this very podcast. Thank you very much, dear listener, for listening. Of course, you can subscribe to our lovely little podcast via all of your podcatching apps. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Pocket etc., etc., and it's this is an important bit as well as well as as subscribing if you could rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice that would be neato so if you could do that please and even though i said the word neato five stars please that would be great uh you can also follow stealth boom boom on social media we are at stealth boom boom and you can follow all of us as well. I am at Column underscore hearn. Adam is at Adam Zokes. Josh is at Joshy Wise. But now it is time for my least favourite part of the show. This is the part of the show where we must bid the listener adieu. So say goodbye, Adam Carroll. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Josh Wise. Bye. And say goodbye, Column Ahern, Sloan Gaffow.